0: This is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At goTodobs.com shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install.
1: For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, The Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This is the Opening Drive Podcast
2: on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
3: Good morning, everyone. Happy New Year. Welcome to the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Hope your Christmas was great. Kerry Davis, Matthew Rocchio, Randy Carricker with you. And it's great to have you with us because nobody else in the building is. <laughs> and uh, we're, we're looking forward to a fun four days here. We're, we're with you 7 to 11 every day this week because... Even decided Tim McKernan decided to take the week off. How was your uh, your Christmas, Carrie Davis? My Christmas was great. Good kids had way too many gifts. Uh huh. That happens. Um,
4: but you know everyone is happy, and so therefore, I'm good. We uh, that's
3: kind of how we, it goes. And- yeah. Most households, I believe. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you, you and I received just a, a joyful text from Matthew Rocky over the weekend we with did. a photo yeah. of his uh, his new Jordans. That did, he's did, absolutely did, he, did he have them on today? No, he no, didn't, oh, bring he didn't, he didn't um, wear them. But the no, picture it's little, was...
5: It's still a little too slushy and sleety out there. It is. Good play, yeah. I got to save
3: those for a little bit more of a sunny day. I agree. Yeah. Good. So uh, everybody had a good Christmas. Hope that uh, you did as you tune in this morning here on 101 ESPN. The Los Angeles Chargers of San Diego, I guess they're the Los Angeles Chargers of Los Angeles now. Uh, (laughs) They're a playoff team. We've wondered about the the viability of Brandon Staley as a head coach all year long. Now he's got a playoff team, though, CD, and it's going to be hard for... The span of the impossible for the Spanos family to move him aside, even if Sean Payton does want that job. But against a bad Colts team, they were dominant last night.
4: Yeah, the Colts stink. Uh, let's start there, they, mm-hmm. they just aren't good. But I, the thing that that intri- intrigues me about this, I was going to say San Diego, about the Chargers mm-hmm. of Los Angeles, <laughs> they are playing well, but they have been injured and now they're starting to get back healthy. and they may be a team that could surprise some teams in in the playoffs. Now that they're in, um, you know, you got your entire your entire team for the mm-hmm. most part coming back healthy and doing well. Um, it's going to be interesting. I, I think Bosa is still still out missing a few games. It has but, a chance to make the playoffs though. So. But but when they get their full complement of players, they are a team that could really shock some teams in the playoffs because they are not really a a, a six seed right now. I mean that that's where they're going to mm-hmm. be slated because of. Obviously because of all the injuries, but when you look at their roster, they have a really good football team. They don't run the ball particularly well or enough. They try to, but they don't they don't have success with it at the at the clip that you would want them to. But Justin Herbert is is amazing at at quarterback. And then you got Kenan Allen and Mike Williams on the
3: outside. You got some guys that can make some plays downfield. They're going to be a force to be reckoned with in the playoffs. I was just thinking, how would you like to be an offense and try to stop Bosa and Mack? You wouldn't You wouldn't like it at all.
6: No.
4: I mean, you, you can't. <laughs> on either end, you got to figure out who you're going to help with, who the back's going to help with. Maybe you have a tight end on the other side, so now you have less receivers out into the pattern. It's going to be a tough task for for teams to stop them when they're completely
3: healthy. Meanwhile, the Broncos, as we would expect they would, fired their head coach Nathaniel Hackett after 14 games. They allowed 51 points to Baker Mayfield <sighs> and the Rams. Randy on Sunday. Yeah, it was not pretty. It it it. It's not been pretty all season, though. No, they have been. been they have been terrible. Well, I remember and- you and I talked about this after their first Monday night game. How little charisma, yeah, Nathaniel Hackett. And, and I'm like I said, I'm I'm really patient with head coaches. I, I was astounded. At how unprepared he seemed to be to be a head coach in the NFL. Well, there,
4: there is a—he came from Green Bay, correct? Mm-hmm. And he was, uh, I guess, air quotes the the play caller. But we all know that Lafleur calls the play. So you hired a man who. Had no play calling experience in terms of, of of coming from where he came from. He didn't he didn't call the plays in Green Bay. You hire him as your head coach. He didn't have, as you said, kind of that it factor that that you need to be a head coach, a leader of men. And that locker room seemed to have just turned on him and Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. And he was unable to to get it back in line, get it back in order. And he's going to have to take the fall for it because, as you said, Randy, there were times in different games where you're watching and you're saying, "What are you doing?" What is that? What, why are you doing that? It, he had – it looked like he was lost in a in – a, You ever like unqualified for the position that he was hired for. And, and so he, unfortunately, or fortunately if you're a Broncos fan, lost his job yesterday. And hopefully they can get this corrected going into next season because I don't know what you do with Russell Wilson. I don't know what you do with that offense. I, I, I don't know what the answer is. But Nathaniel Hackett being removed was definitely a start.
3: After three games – When they determined, it took three games to determine that Hackett had no idea how to manage a clock in the NFL. So they brought in a former Ravens assistant, Jerry Rosberg, to be his clock management guy and overseer. He's a former special teams coach with the Ravens. Now he's their interim head coach. And <laughs> Hackett is the third fastest firing in NFL history. Pete McCulley of the Niners back in 1978. And by the way, he wound up getting replaced by Bill Walsh. So well, that worked out I mean, that oh, okay. worked out okay. Urban Meyer in Jacksonville last year, 13 games. Now Hackett fired after 15 games with the Broncos. Uh, Jeremy Fowler of... Uh, at, ESPN, NFL Nation, potential candidates to replace Mr. Hackett. Well, Sean Payton is sort of the big fish in this cycle, and I've already talked to some people around the league who believe that Denver will at least make a run at him and feel that out and see if they would have a chance with Sean Payton. He wants to get back into coaching. It would require a trade with the New Orleans Saints, who still retain his rights. And there are many around the league that believe that he's holding out for a job like the Chargers with a top quarterback, but that job is not available. And by the way, the Chargers made the playoffs. That job is not available. Also notable that it was reported by Adam Schefter on Sunday that when Peyton gets back into the game, he wants Vic Fangio to be his defensive coordinator. Fangio, f- Fangio fired as yeah. the Broncos' head coach after last season. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't know
4: if that's gonna
3: fly if he were to go to Denver. I don't, I don't know if they would. I don't know how that would work. Knowing yeah. what we know about the Wilson situation, if you're Sean Payton, do you even want to get involved? No, with that? no, no. That that is
4: that is a. It seems to be a terrible contract and a terrible situation if you're if you're a head coach and, and you have you know the resume that Sean Payton has you come back to a team that has a quarterback in place, preferably still on his rookie deal mm-hmm. one of those guys if you have to go draft one or one of those elite quarterbacks that is still younger and you still can build around them that's the position you want to be in you don 't want to be in a position where you're coaching Russell Wilson. Uh, the, the, this version of Russell Wilson, that is, it, it's hard to watch. It's hard to
3: watch him play football right now. For Ryan Harris is a former tackle for the Broncos. Who do you think they should hire?
6: Leslie Frazier right now. And that's assuming that Steve Wilkes isn't leaving Carolina. They would be incredibly incompetent to let him go after what he's done and turned
7: around that team, able to win the uh, NFC South. But I love Leslie Frazier. Either way, the Broncos need an experienced head coach. Frank Reich's in that conversation as well. Um, so they need an experienced head coach. That list is small, but it starts with Leslie Frazier.
3: I agree that they need an experienced guy.
4: Randy, I don't know the the Pete McCulley McCulley story. I don't know, Peter, what Pete McCulley did to get fired after nine games. We all saw what Urban Meyer, you know, all of the things that he did last year, which which warranted him getting fired. To get fired in your first year and not even be able to complete a season – you you Do you ever get a head coaching job in, in, at, at the NFL level
3: again, if no. that's your story? No. Hey, even though he wasn't their choice, the ownership took over after Nathaniel Hackett was hired. But you walk into an interview with Nathaniel Hackett, and you're wondering, okay, well, what happened? And his personality is not going to change. He is what he is. Right. The personality is not going to become dynamic and become a leader of men. And when you look at the successful coaches, I get that Bill Belichick is not dynamic. But apparently in a room with the players, right. he's completely different than he Correct. is with the media. Correct. Mike Tomlin is a dynamic individual. Yes. Matt LaFleur is a dynamic individual. Sean McVay is a dynamic individual. Dick Vermeil, a dynamic individual. When you look at the really successful head coaches, you can tell pretty quickly that they have leadership ability.
4: Yeah, and and just I, I, it's it's mind blowing to this man should have been fired as you said four or five weeks ago mm-hmm. because it, it's been that. It's been that bad, you know. Throughout the entire season, there was a game I, I want to say probably that Panthers loss uh, uh, five weeks ago, where you could have said, "Yeah, that that's probably the end of it." You, you don't need to see much more to know that this this is not going to work out. Um, they finally got it done, but just how far that sets back your franchise when you pay a quarterback the amount of money you oh, pay yeah. him, and now you've hi- you hire a coach and you have to fire a coach within the first season. Uh, this team, which everyone thought was a quarterback away seems so far removed yeah. from that right now i don't know where they go or where they are in
3: terms of how how they get better your st louis blues will start their post christmas activity tonight at enterprise center a three-game homestand led off by a visit by the toronto maple leafs the pregame at six of the faceoff at seven here on 101 espn the blues have 34 points and at the moment they're five points out of a playoff spot. Head coach Craig Bruby, you look at that record of 16-16-2. You think that that's indicative of what your team is? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're, we're better than that for sure. And I think, um, you know, all the players know it too. And they believe that they're better and they know they're better too. Yeah, he thinks they're better than what the record says they are.
4: Um, I, I, can, I can, when you see them play well, yeah, you you would say that. You would say, yes, this team should be you know, one of the top teams in the in the league. But when they don't play well, you can say, well, yeah, I see why they are, you know, 500-team right now. I think that I, you, you watch the game against the Golden Knights. You have a lead. You have an opportunity at, at the end of both periods, second and third, mm-hmm. to, to seal that period still up and you give up goals. Like, I think those are the things that frustrate coaches and frustrate fans when you have a chance to win the game we saw it a couple of weeks ago when they went to the uh, the shootout I can't remember who they were playing they they had a lead and ended up losing the game Colorado uh, right? was it Colorado yeah, yeah. It, those, those are the things you have to close the door when you are a good team and I think this Blues team can be a really good team um, I think they're 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 right there, you know, on the brink of that, and it can teeter. It can go either way. It just depends on how much they want to do that and
3: how much they want to work towards being being continuing to be great. And to the point that you make about giving up last minute goals, they really don't have a lockdown defenseman. Yeah, they don't have that guy that you have on the ice in the last minute of a period, so that you can be sure that that puck's not going into your own net.
4: It seems like. They their their legs get heavy on mm-hmm. defense at times. Like they don't move as well defensively sometimes as they do on the offensive end. And and I think just that that minor detail will, will prevent those, you know, last minute
3: goals to close out periods. That's Kerry. I'm Randy. We're off and running here on the opening drive. We're here until eleven today. Coming up three things we loved about the weekend here on 101 ESPN
1: are back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN.
2: Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. All right, Carrie,
3: Randy with you and three things we love about the weekend. Here is number three. All right, CD, for me, it's like everyone else. The ability to have family together for Christmas, have a memorable and, and a fun weekend. And for us, it was a four-day weekend. And if uh, it was for you, we're, we're happy for you. We kind of wish it was a five or six, or, like the there is show, maybe a nine-day weekend. We didn't get that. But it was great to uh, to have a great holiday weekend with everybody together.
4: Yeah, I, it it always is. I mean, the four-day, three-day work week four day work week I guess now is, mm-hmm. should be a thing that is implemented around the if not around the world or in, around St. Louis at least at uh, <laughs> uh, a Radio yeah no doubt. <laughs> <If> nowhere
6: else <laughs> you know we,
4: we can be the the, yeah. the ones that start this trend and and really get people to understand how important it is how important rest is those three days are, mm-hmm. are crucial and vital to being the best version of yourself every single day yeah well, you get the best of out of us yeah. we, we'll, we'll talk to the, the higher ups and see what we can get Let's going see how that goes <laughs> <laughs> for me, my number three was the Golden State Warriors picking up a huge win on Christmas Day versus the Memphis Grizzlies uh, without Wiggins, without Steph. The Golden State Warriors went in there and took care of business. It was at home, obviously, because they don't win on the road, mm-hmm. but it was a huge win for them. Um, and, and like I said, the, the the rivalry that is beginning, I wanna say it's it's a it's it's and I use that word cautiously, Rock, because a rivalry requires both teams to have, you know, some wins and some some things going on. I don't think the Grizzlies are there just yet, but I think it could be on the way. This is why I, this is why I love carrying this show so much, because on Thursday
5: of last week, uh if we needed another rock and roll that day, my third thing was going to be a Kendrick Perkins clip where he called the Warriors in the Grizzlies a rivalry, and I was gonna be like, "Well, Carrie here is the rivalry, you know, adjudicator, you know, judge here on the show." So I gotta, I had to ask him, like, "Is that already a rivalry?"
4: eh, Not really. I I think the Grizzlies believe it is, but it's not yet. They haven't won enough for it to be a rivalry. Um, The Golden State Warriors are still the champs, even though they are sitting here at sixteen and eighteen and trying to figure life Mm -hmm. out at this point. Um, But I think they still will eventually correct it and, and, you know, make the playoffs and make a run in there. You're going to get Steph back a couple point. of weeks away. Yep.
3: That makes a lot of difference. It does. Number two. All right, Carrie for me. Number two thing I loved about the weekend, seeing the new evil empire, the Mets, find out that the Giants were right about having concerns about <laughs> Carlos Correa's leg. Would I have been thrilled if the Cardinals had signed him and ticked if they had failed his physical? Of course I would have, but Mets owner Steve Cohen is on video without reservation about Correa's health saying the Mets had signed him. You don't think Scott Boris is going to use that as ammo against the Mets for that 12-year, $315 million contract? I loved it, and I can't wait to see where it goes from here.
4: Well, if the contract is signed, if it's signed, what do we... W- it's, w- not what's it's not signed. It's not signed, but uh, it,
3: verbally, though, verbally, he said, both he said, sides We agreed. got a deal, yeah.
4: Well, I, I, I would have to figure out if, if verbal contracts are, are upstanding in the, in the mm. state of New York, and then there you go from there. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of legal talk and a legal jargon going back and forth from, from both sides. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you said, if, if, if the, the owner says, oh, it's a done deal, it's signed, we're, we're good to go, and the player agrees... Uh, somebody's going to come out of some money some kind of way.
3: I'm kind of surprised the Mets even bother doing physicals. Why not just pay
4: the guys? <laughs> you, what difference, you don't care about how much it costs. No. That's not the issue. you you trying to get them for less money now? No, you don't care about that. You, no, you, you're paying everyone. So yeah. continue. Don't worry about it. My number two, I, I didn't mention this last week, uh, a young man, Justin Hardy for the New York Jets special teamer, Illinois kid, Um, got to his first Pro Bowl, and I'm so proud of this young man. Your undrafted rookie... He was a a receiver in college, made the transition to cornerback. On his pro day, he ran a 4-3 and really blew scouts away. Undrafted, um, Undrafted player to the New Orleans Saints played four years there, signed a contract with the Jets, has been one of the best special teams players in the league for the last five or six years, finally making it to his first Pro Bowl. I am so proud, so excited, so happy for this young man. Uh, just an awesome, awesome job because I know you know his his story, how he how he went through college and all of the struggles of being undrafted, uh, to make your first Pro Bowl, to still be in the league six years later as an undrafted rookie. It's just an awesome feat for him and I'm I'm that was I didn't get to mention it last week, but that was one of the things that, that I saw over the weekend that I just, you know, I just couldn't I couldn't hold it back. I was so excited for him.
3: That's what it's all about. When you have a guy that changes positions yeah. and then is able to make it at the next level and then ultimately make it to a Pro Bowl. What a credit to him and it is a credit to his coaches and and the people that that were able to to sign him, but mostly a credit to the young man for sticking with it like he has definitely
4: keep plugging away man it's 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 not about you know how you get there it's about once you get there and how you stay and with the work that you do to make sure you are able to to continue to work every single day and he's done a done an outstanding job and I'm extremely happy for him
1: number
3: one and for me, Kerry. It's waking up this morning to see the Jacksonville Jaguars atop the AFC South. Now... Shad Khan made a lot of bad decisions in owning that team. But taking Trevor Lawrence, number one, that was a no-brainer, but he did it, and hiring uh, Doug Peterson were great moves. Peterson got screwed in Philly. In his last year, he only had two healthy offensive starters, and one of those was Carson Wentz. <laughs> <laughs> he was actually winning, and, and had Carson Wentz playing well at one point. Philly allowed Peterson to find the perfect spot. It appears to be the spot with Trevor Lawrence. They might even win a playoff game. If they can beat the Titans in their season finale, doesn't matter what happens against the Texans this week, if they can beat the Titans in their season finale, the Jaguars will be the AFC South champions.
4: That is absolutely amazing. One year removed, as we talked about earlier, from firing your head coach after what was it, 13 games Mm -hmm. last year, you fired Urban Meyer, you got an adult in the building, and you finally get to see what Trevor Lawrence can be and what he is. He's playing extremely well, that defense is playing extremely well, and they are right there from winning the division. That was a division that you would have thought five or six weeks ago the Titans had locked up, but they have just kind of fallen off and not been able to do what they needed to do. And here you are, the Jack- Jacksonville Jaguars, right there, one game away from, from winning that division. It's absolutely amazing.
3: And I'm happy for Mark Lamping, who got so used to winning here yep. as the president of the Cardinals. You, you kind of get spoiled by winning, and he's had a lot of bad things happen in Jacksonville. So to see Mark Lamping back at the top of the standings is pretty cool, too.
4: Good for him. That's awesome. Uh, my number one, Randy, is, is is a bit of a homer pick, as it usually is. It was the Steelers win on Saturday night, um, Friday night, Saturday night, Christmas Eve, mm-hmm. Saturday, Saturday night, night. Um, versus the 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 Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, just an emotional time. I, I know, you know, just just knowing what Pittsburgh is, losing Franco Harris on the day, you know, and they were in a, a week prior to giving him, retiring his number and going through all of that for him, honoring him in the way that they were planning on doing. Um, Kenny Pickett had an audible at at one point, Franco Franco, which was a quarterback sneak for them to get the first down. It was just an emotional win, a huge win for the Steelers to keep their playoff hopes alive, but also a huge victory for the city of Pittsburgh. Knowing what Franco meant, the legacy, the legend, uh, the immaculate reception, the uh, 50-year, you know, just the anniversary of that whole great play in, in in Pittsburgh history and I Randy I told you this last week if you ever if anyone ever flies into Pittsburgh when you land you have to go down you have to go down an escalator to get to the to the tram to take you to your to the baggage claim there is a a a life size Franco Harris statue of him catching the immaculate reception, which to me, every time I go into Pittsburgh, that is the one thing that lets you know I am here, I am, I am back. It, it just is a reminder of what this city is and and what these people are. And so, to get that win on Saturday night for Franco and his family and for the Steelers to to get that done was just absolutely awesome for me.
3: I know it sounds trite. They had to win that game. They did,
4: they <laughs> right? Had that's that's to pressure. Win. You, it was a lot of pressure. It was, it was you have to win like mm-hmm. you cannot lose you lost Franco passed away a few days prior and and you were planning on honoring him it's the 50 year anniversary of of the immaculate reception mm-hmm. it's all of those things tied in and you have to win Randy and so yeah it's a lot of pressure for them and they were fortunate they they were able to get it done and um I'm happy for
3: it me too that's three things we loved about the weekend here on 101 ESPN it is the opening drive with Carrie and Randy and coming up four downs from the weekend. Was this week 16 in the NFL already? Holy cow. Four downs coming up next on 101
1: ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN.
2: Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
3: All right. Week 16 in the NFL is complete. Time for four downs. First down. Randy, I was
4: looking at the Miami Dolphins and their issues. And, you know, here's a team that I want to say three, five weeks ago, six weeks, maybe a month and a half ago, we were looking at this team when they were on that. You know, Tua missed a couple of games due to concussion, came back, and there was this thing, oh, they haven't lost a game with Tua at quarterback this season, which was accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, but Randy, they are on the verge of missing the playoffs now. They are the seventh seed. Tua is in concussion protocol for the second time this season and potentially should be ready to shut it down. They have they have gone from a team that you thought could win the division with how well they were playing earlier in the season to a team as I said that is potentially not going to make it into the playoffs. They are they have their win streaks, they win their first 3, they lose their next 3, they win their next 5, and then now they're on a four game losing streak. Kind of like what the Blues were doing earlier yeah, in the season. Yeah, right. Kind of back and forth. You don't really know what this team is. And so First of all, the Tua issue. If he is in concussion protocol for the second time, he banged his head on the turf and stayed in the game. And if you look at his numbers from when that play happened to to after it happened, I think he threw two or three interceptions after that happened. He has to figure out whether or not this season is, is what he needs to
3: continue to do, and I don't think it is. Would you leave it in his hands? No. If I'm the league... And I've dealt with all these concussion issues, and his have been so visible. Yeah, there's no way I'd let him play again this year.
4: You, you cannot. I mean, if you're if you're about player safety, you watched that game last night. Derwin Derwin James got kicked out of the game last night mm-hmm. because of a hard hit that he made against the receiver in the flats. If you are if you are a league that is claiming to be uh, proactive in making sure you're taking care care of head injuries, you want to make sure that our players have a lengthy careers and they're able to walk and function when they retire. If you're watching Tua Tungvaloa continue to bang his head against the turf and be in concussion protocol, you cannot allow him to try back. You, Randy, you can't leave it up to him because as a player, I'm going to play. I, I feel right. fine. Derwin James knocked himself out yeah, last right, night right. on that hit. Yeah. Got up. He has that visor on, which they most teams, you know, that's the reason why they don't want you to wear the visors that dark so they can see into your eyes. He knocked himself out. He was he was he was out of it for a few seconds, stumbled off the field and would have continued to play had he not gotten ejected. The league has to take this yep. away from Tua. If you're the Dolphins and you want this young man to continue to play football for your franchise, you have to take it away from him and can't leave it up to him.
3: By the way, your old quarterback, Ben Roethlisberger, took some grief for self-reporting. If I want to not have a scrambled brain when I'm 50, I would self-report too. Most players do, but here's the thing, Randy.
4: Some players... (laughs) <laughs> there's a, a baseline test that you take. Oh, yeah. Some players fail the baseline test. So if they do become concussed, they their concussed level is the same as their baseline test. So... It's there, a good there, trick there's, there, there, Nah, it's not a smart trick <laughs> no. If you want to play, yeah But if you want to live and be okay afterwards Maybe not Is some of the right qualifier? Nah, I, 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 have only, I, I don't have knowledge of, of numbers, right? It's just the, the handful, four or five players That I know of when I played I
3: don't know if they still do those things
1: Second down all right, C.D., this
3: might sound like a broken record for me because it is. But I keep hearing another broken record on national radio and TV about what a great coach Bill Belichick is. <laughs> What's one of the hallmarks of a very well-coached NFL team? Discipline, right? Your Indeed. Super Bowl team was disciplined. Yep. All right. Is throwing the ball away at the end of a game and allowing the winning touchdown to score... On a fumble discipline? No. Is falling behind 22-0, rallying to 22-18, and then fumbling inside the other team's 10-yard line disciplined? No. No. You can't turn the ball over. Belichick's talent evaluation is way overrated. So is his team's discipline. As a coordinator, he was a product of Lawrence Taylor. As a head coach, he's a product of Tom Brady. Without Tom Brady as his quarterback, after this season, he will have made the playoffs twice. Randy, that was...
4: That was some harsh words. You're you're telling me that the only reason Bill Belichick has had success is because he coached the greatest defensive player to ever live and possibly the greatest offensive player to ever live. That's what I'm telling you, Gary. If he didn't have those two guys, if anyone else had those two guys, they could have the resume that he'd have. Yes, that's what I'm Uh. telling you. Actually, you know what? Jeff
3: Fisher would have been better. Whoa, Jeff Fisher. So this guy's got – Belichick's got like a 4 Eighty winning percentage right now without Tom Brady as a starting quarterback. Mm -hmm. Without Tom Brady as his starting quarterback, Jeff Fisher had a five twelve. He's over five hundred. He's over five hundred. Rex Ryan has a better career winning percentage without Tom Brady as a starting quarterback. Randy, these are these are
4: these are deep cutting words and harsh words that you're you're putting out into the environment and atmosphere. You know what? But you're not wrong.
3: Deep cutting. It's harsh and it's true. (laughs) You're not wrong. (laughs) You are not wrong, sir
4: third down. Randy, I feel like every week we come in here and we talk about the NFC South and and which team or if any team wants to win. Tampa Bay got a win in overtime last week, but so did the Carolina Panthers. Not in overtime. They beat up on a team that we have been talking about potentially being a playoff team in the Detroit Lions. Took them to the woodshed. Gave them a, gave them a good beating down there in Carolina. And here you are one game away from the Carolina Panthers being atop of that division. They play the they play the Buccaneers this week. They have already beaten the Buccaneers already once this season. Both teams are three-and-one in the division. And if you're Carolina, you fired your head coach. You bring in Steve Wilkes. You, you, you fire your head coach. You remove a player, that interim head coach, then the next game removes a player from the sideline and, and cuts them the next day. And you have you, three quarterbacks. You lost Baker Mayfield, who started the season as the quarterback. Sam Darnold, P.J. Walker. Now you're back at Sam Darnold. They are finding ways to win mm-hmm. football games. And it is – there are I, – I am speechless at what Steve Wilkes has done. In this division, how – He's been able to get this ship going in the right direction. They actually lost a game to the Falcons about a month or so ago that if had they won, because because um, uh, Moore took his helmet off and they missed right, the right. extra yeah, point, I about that. had they won that game, they would potentially be number one in the NFC South right now. And so you're looking at a team and a franchise that, for whatever reason, has been struggling to get it right since, they, since Cam and the Super Bowl, Steve Wilkes has done an outstanding job, and I am hoping, I am hoping that they beat the hell out of the Buccaneers mm-hmm. in Tampa to take
3: over that lead of the division and make it to the playoffs. Carrie, old-time football's making a comeback. Steve Wilkes got in there, and he said, we're going to run the ball, we're going to stop the they run. They're running it, too. And they are running it. Yes. Yeah. And they're stopping the run, and... They do have a, a chance to make the playoffs, which nobody would have dreamed. Their owner said Steve Wilkes has a chance to keep the job if he does something special. If they get in the playoffs, that'll be pretty
4: special. Randy, they ran the ball for 320 yards yeah. last, last on Sunday. 300, Chubba, Chubba, Chuba Hubbard had 125 rushing. Dante Foreman had 165 yards rushing. They are running the football down people's throats and making you like it. And for me, Randy, for me, <laughs> yep. I there is nothing greater. It is one of the most glorious things you can watch in football. When you watch people give... I'm going to run the ball, and you're not going to stop mm-hmm. it. And it, there's a point when you run the football at people, you can watch the defense break. You can see the yep. point where they snap, and they said enough is enough. And I'm sure there was a point in that game where Cla- Carolina saw that and said, and we're going to continue to do it. Get off the field. Mm-hmm. I
3: love that's That's my type of football. I love that. And by the way, Steve Wilkes understands where he is in his head coaching career. His quarterbacks have been a completely used-up Sam Bradford, yeah. Josh Rosen, Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold, and he's getting Sam Darnold to play better than anybody else has gotten him to play. He is, and they're playing well. Yep. Because they're running the ball well. Everything starts with the run game. Fourth down. Oh, Daniel Jones. Da- Daniel Jones. <laughs> Daniel Jones. All right. I, I'm actually kind of a fan of Daniel Jones, but, Carrie, if the playoffs started today, Daniel Jones and the Giants would have to play the San Francisco 49ers.
6: That's (laughs) not great. That's
3: the San Francisco 49ers who are number one in the NFL, allowing 290.3 yards per game. They're allowing 75 yards on the ground. Good luck, Saquon. They're allowing 15.3 points. The defense was already great. They have the Defensive Player of the Year in Nick Bosa. But, oh, by the way, only two players in NFL history have started their quarterbacking career 3-0 with multiple touchdown passes in each game. This is since quarterback stats were first tracked in 1950. One of those is Hall of Famer Kurt Warner with the St. Louis Rams back in 1999. The other one is Brock Purdy Mm. of the San Francisco 49ers. So, C.D., not only do they have the best defense in the league. Not only do they have more weapons. And by the way, Purdy has done this without Debo Samuel. Yep. He's going to get Debo Samuel back. Brock Purdy has a chance to be a Super Bowl quarterback with that defense and
4: mm-hmm. the way that they play football. I, I agree. They, they are. They are. They are a team. Nick Bosa is is probably defensive player of the year this year. Um. And and so you have a defense led by D'Amico Ryans, who has a ha, – they have a they have an identity. You know, Randy, one mm-hmm. of the things you want to be defensively – you want to have an identity. You want people to know you're going to hit <laughs> people in the mouth. You're not going to be able to be ran on. And when you do decide to drop back and throw the football, somebody's going to be in your space and not allow you to be able to complete those passes. And that's what this defense is. They are They fly around. They make big plays. And if you have that as a defense and you're a rookie quarterback mm-hmm. – you don't
3: have to. You don't have to take chances with the football. Daniel Jones, Daniel Jones, <laughs> lose a game, lose a game. Okay, you you've got the Colts and you've got the Eagles left. Play <laughs> Minnesota rather than San Francisco.
4: Well, if they lose a game, are they risking not making the playoffs? They'll be they, fine. They... They'll be fine. They'll be
3: the seventh. You'd much rather be the seventh seed and play Minnesota than the sixth seed and play San Francisco. Yeah, probably. You're probably right. And the way things stand up right now. They're eight, six and one, the commanders are seven, seven, and one. The Seahawks are seven and eight. So even if the Giants go nine, seven, and one, they'll be fine. They'll They'll make it at nine, seven and one. So just lose a game, buddy. <laughs> For your own preservation, lose a game.
4: <laughs> Take care of yourself. Think yeah, about yeah. yourself. Don't worry about anything else <laughs> hey,
3: Daniel, nobody loves you like you love me. This you. is true.
4: Nobody's <laughs> going to protect you against Bosa either. You
3: got to protect yourself. <laughs> <laughs> That's four downs from NFL Week 16. Coming up, get your text into the air comfort service, hex line 65722. Let's do a quick traffic report. <laughs> Moving up here in uh, 101 ESPN JetCaptor 2, there is not... Oh, there's a car. There's a car on Olive. There's a car on Olive eastbound. Okay, now we're up to... Okay, we've had cars. We were sitting there for a minute, literally a minute. It looked like the (laughs) pandemic. There is not a single car out there. But now we have traffic. Uh, Yeah, but uh, take it slow on Olive eastbound. Olive westbound, by the way. Just go 100 miles an hour. <laughs>
6: There's you're, you're, no one. You're, there. you're fine.
3: There's nobody going all at Westbound and Green 4 right in front of, right in front of uh, City Place. I'm Captain Randy Carricker, I'm 101 ESPN Jetcopter 2. <laughs> TLE is next.
2: You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? Put it out there.
1: Take it, you can take it if you don't set it right back. Get your text into 65780 and give us your
2: take it or leave it. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final
1: author. Take it or leave it.
3: All right, we welcome your text to the Air Comfort Service. Text line 65780 for Take It or Leave It. Kerry Davis, Matthew Rocchio, Randy Carricker, CD, I don't know if you saw yesterday, I'm sure you did, that Woj reported that James Harden would be interested in returning to Houston, opting out of his deal in Philly after the season and going back to Houston. Take it or leave it, the gentlemen's clubs in Houston are fired up. Take it, Randy. (laughs) Randy, I don't know if you know this.
4: They retired James Harden's jersey in one of those gentlemen's <laughs> clubs. It really Yes, his jersey is in the Raptors. <laughs> Literally, they retired his jersey. He did so much for that environment and, and did such a, an outstanding job in those clubs that one of them decided to retire his jersey. They had a retirement party for him, a jersey retirement party. They, they, they hung it up in the Raptors. It, it a, f- is. He's done a spectacular job in the in the community of Houston, putting a few young ladies through college. <laughs> done an outstanding yeah, job, right. taking care of some families. You you can never <laughs> knock a man for taking
3: care of others when when they needed most. Did you guys see that uh, like four or five years ago? Somebody did like a massive like the, the man hours must have been incredible. A Reddit search on how effective he was relative to the quality of the gentlemen's clubs in the city they were playing at. Really? Yeah. And his performance always waned. And they, they determined that the best gentlemen's clubs in America were in Salt Lake City and that's where he performed the worst. Wow. Yeah. It was it was a huge thing on Reddit.
1: <laughs> big,
5: I love it because it was like there was a big dip in Miami. It, it was, yeah, like, yep. there, there was a big dip in Atlanta. Things like just like, yep, this is this Salt is Lake expect. City?
4: Isn't that amazing? That is amazing. That's a story in itself. I I would never have expected that. That's it. That. Learn mm-hmm. something new every morning. They're doing something there. I don't know what, <laughs> I don't know what it is. They're doing something there. Randy, the, the Dallas Cowboys are two games away from potentially oh, taking the lead in the NFC East. Take it or leave it, with the injury to Jalen Hurts and with the way the Cowboys are playing, they can actually take over the NFC East lead. <laughs> and maybe take over the first seed in the playoffs.
3: I'm going to leave that. I just don't see Philadelphia losing out. I they, think I think Dallas is capable of winning out. Okay. Go ahead with
4: Well, I was going to say that the the uh remaining games for the Eagles are the they play the they play the Saints and then they play the Giants. Yeah, it's a couple of wins. Should be. Yeah. Even with Gardner Minshew starting a quarterback of Jalen. He was actually okay. He played very well. Yeah. He did. I wasn't surprised because he normally does. He's probably one of the better quarterbacks. When you have a backup quarterback, you want that quarterback to be a a guy that can start Mm -hmm. NFL games for you and win NFL games for you, not just a guy that's holding a clipboard over there. Gardner Minshew could be a starting quarterback. Hell, he could be starting for the Denver Broncos right now.
3: If Gardner Minshew – would go to Indy where they have three quarterbacks. He'd be the best he, of the he four. Would,
4: he would be. And, and uh, as I said, in Denver mm-hmm. also. In oh, a few Denver teams also, yep. where he could be, maybe Tennessee. There yep, there are yep. a few franchises that could use a Gardner Minshew as yep. their starting quarterback, yep. and he's the backup in Philly. So, so they,
3: they might win this week, and then they can just rest everybody yeah, in okay. the final weekend.
4: All right. Would Did you have some research on, on, on the gentlemen's clubs in, in Salt Lake City? I thought you oh, were— We'll
3: have that by the end of the segment. All right, we'll, thank you. We'll work on that. <laughs> All right, Matthew, what do you got for us?
5: The most repressed people. That's that's all I got to say. They're, 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 they'll, they'll surprise you always. Take it or leave it, SLU has to win the A10 tournament to make it to the big dance.
3: Take it, 100%. Yeah. Take it. They don't have enough quality wins left on their schedule in the A10 to be. They could, win the, they, they could go undefeated in the A10, and there aren't enough quality wins there at eight and five right now for them to be able to get a, an at large bid.
5: It's only the second time in, in Travis Ford's SLU career. Uh, in the first since his second year that they lost five non-conference games. Yeah. That's that's not how you build a, um, a just a
3: bid. That's just and not how you do it. Two, maybe three that they should not have lost. Yeah, that's yeah, that's. By the way, coach, I, I, I love coach, and I and I get coaches being frustrated, but you know what? When you lose a game, shake the other coaches' hands and the other players and. Show some class when is you're that leaving. That the Edwardsville game? Yeah, yeah. Just you got to be better. I
5: agree. Take it or leave it. Vladdy and or Ryan O'Reilly go by March third.
3: Take it.
4: I'm going to leave it, and I'm going to leave it based on what Baruby said when we were listening to him him speak earlier this morning. He believes that this team is 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 a good team. They're good enough to to take care of uh, what they need to take care of to to be a playoff team. I think he. He thinks they are just right there on the cusp of, of figuring it out completely, and so I'm gonna I'm going to leave it and say that they're gonna they're both they both will be here throughout the entire season, and they're going to try to make a run in the playoffs.
3: Right. I like that thought. By the way, here's the this guy has a hypothesis. He's got methodology and steps. It's unbelievable. <laughs> the, uh, he's got interpreting the correlation coefficient. Uh, yeah, he did a great job, and. So uh he determined that the quality of James Harden's play does decline in cities with great strip clubs.
5: Hmm. Did he go off Yelp reviews for great strip? For like, what, what, oh, or did or he, he actually do his own, own research and go in oh, to no. say? He, he went
3: by Google reviews. Ah, Google reviews, of course.
4: Okay, that's that's fair. That, that a, there's makes sense. a city that doesn't have a basketball team that has some particularly good gentlemen clubs. Baltimore?
5: Uh, take it or leave it. If the Blues keep Austin <laughs> Matthews off the scoreboard, they win tonight.
3: I'm going to leave that. I don't think it's that simple. Austin Matthews is great, but man, they have a lot of great offensive players. Yeah. I, I would just
4: say if they close out periods, if they have the lead, mm-hmm. close them out strong, put a body on a body, move your feet, don't allow shots on, on, on goal.
6: Toronto's clear, the kind of team the that
3: they will do that against, by yeah. the way.
4: Clear the puck. Take it or leave it. The Cowboys trade
5: Dak to Denver for draft picks and make Cooper Rush the starter for next season. Leave it. Jerry loves him some Dak. <laughs> yes, he does. Jerry loves having a high-priced quarterback that he can put out there and, and sell. There's no doubt about it. Like that's that's. I mean, come on. Why he, why would you do that when you could? I, just, I don't understand what the what, what. Why would you do that? I just don't understand that. Yeah, he's not going anywhere. No way. Take it or leave it. The Cardinals need another starter, and that starter is Nathan Ivaldi.
3: I mean, well, I'll take part one, but I'm going to leave part two. I think if Aldi winds up somewhere else, probably for pretty decent money. Why hasn't he signed yet? That's a weird thing. I don't know because he was the fourth or fifth best starter yeah. out there on the market. I thought he's older, but he's a guy that I think for three years and sixty million dollars will do well for somebody. And he can pitch out of the bullpen, and we know that he can pitch well in the postseason. I would, I would like for the Cardinals to sign him. I just don't think it's going to happen. Take it or leave it. At some point, Major League
5: Baseball is going to have to balance out the payroll disparity in their game.
4: Take it. I'm going to leave it. I don't think they – I think at some point there should be a a, a floor. You have mm-hmm. to spend some money. It, but I don't know that – I don't think the players union will ever agree to a salary cap because that impacts them. I mean, that, that – Puts a, a a limit on the amount of money that they can receive. Mm-hmm. If you have an owner that is willing to pay X amount of dollars and 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 does not care what it's going to cost him, why should the players be be you know uh, should not? Why shouldn't the players benefit from that? So I, I don't think that there will ever be a salary cap because I don't think that the players will ever agree to it.
3: There never will be, but it would be better for the players to have a floor because you've got a half a dozen teams that don't even try that aren't going to make what Verlander and Scherzer are going to make as a pair next year. If I were the players and I wanted to serve all the players I would much rather have a floor attached to a cap.
4: So if you were, but here's the here's the the thing: if you if you come at the the owners and say you have to have a, a floor, they're going to re, re, rebuttal have a rebuttal of okay, well we need to have a cap as yeah. well.
3: The owners so, offered a a floor with a cap. Yeah, and it I, it was summarily rejected, and the owner said we'll no, or the players said we'll never even discuss that.
4: Yeah, they, they won't they won't.
3: So <laughs> to me, it won't it it'll but never happen. Here's the thing in. Bradley Beal's making $52.5 million a year with a salary cap. You know, it's players are under salary caps, aside from the NHL, which doesn't have as much revenue. If you get 50% of the revenues, yeah. you're going to be doing fine. Yeah. If, if the players get 50% of the revenues, they'll be fine.
5: Makes sense to me. Take it or leave it, the Cardinals snag Carlos Correa for a four year deal. Yeah, four years
3: and uh, let's give him 28.
5: I mean, in 4 years you might have to bump up the AV a little bit. 32? Yeah. I was thinking you the, would, You you, would do you, that? Re, you read my I'm mind. Blank. 32 is exactly what
3: I was thinking.
6: <laughs> oh, are you a kidding me?
3: Yeah. Not even not no. even worry about I, it. I would actually if if I were the Cardinals I would give him 15 million a year. Give him 60 million over 4. Be fun do Not just think it's a bad one year deal. Need, what
5: do you need? What do you need Carlos? What do you need? What do you need for a one year deal? Hey, just to make sure that like sure, the leg might fall like might fall off in, in 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 you know December of 2023, but if I paid you 38 million dollars for one year, I'm okay with it. it. Yeah. I don't I mean, that's, that's just one year for me.
3: This is a franchise that gave Matt Carpenter 18 and a half a year, right? That's, that's I double that up easily. Yeah. So, yeah, if you give Korea 22, 2044 88 over four. We're we're raising the ante here as by the second for Scott (laughs) Boras. It's not our money.
5: (laughs) Take it or leave it. We got got two Packers back to back. That's crazy from different numbers. Take it or
3: leave it. Packers get in and they have momentum going into the playoffs. I'm going to have to leave that. uh, I want to leave it. By the way, way. have they won four in a row now? So things are happening for them, but I don't think that they have enough time, enough runway left so to since, allow them.
5: Yeah, so since they're lost to the Lions, they've ripped off wins against the Cowboys.
3: Oh, they lost to the Titans. Never mind. Yeah, they beat the Bears, Rams, Dolphins. So they've won three in a row. Vikings at home, Lions at home to wrap up. Four out of five, though.
4: Pretty good. Vikings at home, Lions, Vikings at home, and who at home? Lions. 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 So even
3: if they win both, though. Uh, I don't
4: think they win both. They should lose I, to the Vikings.
3: Yeah, they should. They should lose even and, at home.
4: And even though the Lions got beat up on against the the Panthers this weekend, I still like the Lions. They got to figure some they I I am the Lions are intriguing to me. I know we talking about the Packers, but the Lions are intriguing to me into this offseason seeing how they build that defense up and which direction they go defensively to help them get some guys that can get after the quarterback. And some guys that are going to be able to stop the run mm-hmm. and and yeah. shore up that secondary as well. The Vikings are seven and zero in one score games. They're oh, just they yeah. are they are eleven and zero. Eleven and eleven, 11 and score? zero. Yes, I, it it's just, I believe that, it's eleven and zero. That
5: does that doesn't happen and, and and you know if those break even, which they usually should throughout a season, they're you know they're they're. You know, as you said, they could be six and five or five and six, and just completely changes the complexion and look of that team. Just I don't know. I I I'm not counting the Packers out in the in the in either of those games, honestly. So the
3: even if the Packers win, though, the Giants need one more win to get to nine victories. Nine, seven, and one would be better than the Packers are capable of doing. Packers best they can do is nine and eight. So the only team that's in the playoffs now that the Packers could pass would be Washington and the commanders uh they they need to win their last two against yeah. the browns and against the cowboys and the cowboys are already locked in. Yeah. Uh, w- so it, it, they're they're the number 5 seedable.
4: There's a chance that if the cowboys can't catch the eagles, they may be resting people that last yeah, game. Yeah.
3: So so it,
4: it, it's going to be interesting yeah, how it all how it all unfolds.
3: But even if the packers get in well Packers at San Francisco. Nah, I don't like it. Because they would have beaten Minnesota, San Francisco would have the, the tiebreaker, and they would be the number two seed. Packers aren't going to San Francisco and beating the Niners. No. Packers play terrible in California.
5: I mean, if you yeah, if you draw the Niners as a Packers fan, just pack it in. You've, you've, yep. it, it never goes well for you in that situation. You are... Like you just said, when you outlined the potential matchup the 49ers could be facing, you don't want to face that defense. No. And Aaron nope. Rodgers this season, that's a three pick
3: game. Right. Hey, what'd you say the score that was of that Missoula, Illinois game last week? I believe
5: I said it was 93 like, 71. That was like five days ago, It do seems we? like a long time ago. <laughs> you,
3: but we, we still <laughs> have an a, a chance to talk about it. like
4: five days ago. That, we, yeah. we, do we need to
3: discuss I, this I at do. any point? I think this I, needs, I, needs I, to be we sure. talked about. A bit. John is wearing a suit today. A little bit. Our boss is wearing a suit. We must they have good. big people coming in, important people. Is that it? I mean, that's why they cleared out the rest of the hallway.
4: <laughs> yeah, gave everybody else the the, the week off.
3: Yeah, yeah they got us for the best. Bragging rights next on 101 ESPN.
1: You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN.
2: Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the opening drive's fresh take. Brought to you by Schnucks Rewards. It pays to shop at Schnooks. Download the Schnucks Rewards app today.
3: Pumped away by Hodge. Fifth turnover the last five minutes for Illinois. Into the corner three. Got it! the building on its feet, Missouri. Hawkins can't answer. Illinois 1 of 15 from deep. Here come numbers again. Brown threw on the brakes, and another Missouri three. This time it's DeGray. 8.07 8.07 in St. Louis. A time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. We've got an early fight, by the way, coming up in just a few minutes. So get your text into the Air Comfort Service, text line 65780. If you'd like to participate, just 65780 and the word fight. So, Mizzou's basketball team just routes the Fighting Illini, 93-71. Mm. to 71. Illinois did have a 12-10 lead, Kerry. Uh, they took it with 14.05 remaining in the first half and Dane danger made a layup and they maintained that 12 10 lead until the 13 17 mark when noah carter made a layup to tie it and then before you knew it it was 30 to 15 mizzou and mizzou went on to roll 93 to 71. your take mr davis
4: well randy it was uh you know, it, it was not good basketball from the Illini. They they didn't take care of the ball. Mm-hmm. They didn't play defense. The Mizzou Tigers seemed to be running up and down the court shooting threes. Every time I looked up, there were, there were shots going up in the air. And going in, um, I don't think the Illini closed out well enough. I don't think they rebounded. I mean, pretty much everything you need to do in order to win a basketball game.
3: And, and did they I take some mild credit for Mizzou here, the, um, saying they they hit threes? They did hit some threes. They, okay. they, they, they 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 hit a few threes here and there. They
4: they, they were the I think that the okay. pace that a few Mizzou here
6: and there they, a few
4: here and there. Every time I looked up, there was a shot going. i checking. High. I'm just checking Carrie's qualifiers. The yeah, show. I, I was I, every time I looked up, there was a so. shot going up and it was going in. Felt like, um, but I, I think that you know Mizzou's pace, the way that they played. Um, Who hits 10 of
3: 23-pointers, by the way?
4: Clearly, the, the Mizzou Tigers. Illinois yeah, was right. seven for thirty-one. Yeah, they
3: Gold, didn't hit Gold any. Golden State
4: Tigers, more like it. <laughs> oh,
5: yeah. wait a minute. So uh, Matthew, Slow is it the, down. Ma- Matthew is the
3: Matthew Mizzou guy. <laughs> Kerry is the Illinois guy. I'm a Linda Wood guy, and I can just sit back here.
5: Hey, I'm usually I'm, I'm usually so cynical and negative about the sports I actually care about and follow, and so this is my one time to actually jump in the high horse. Listen, it was a shocking game. Like, like we talked about this a week ago. Me and Kerry. Um, that that with we, the weekend rain was how we handicapped what we think a Mizzou Illinois basketball game would look at would look like a Mizzou football game too and I I, I acquiesced to, to to Illinois winning in both of those cases yeah. and so I was frankly shocked that Mizzou was not just won but they won handily and anytime you shoot like that it's gonna happen like that anytime you get a game like Kobe Brown career-high bragging rights game record of 31 points you see that but listen it wasn't what I expected And it's going to be interesting to see what Brad Underwood can do. You know, he's such a good coach. He's got such a young group now after having so many years of being able to lean on big names like Iota Sunmu and Kofi Coburn. So he's going to get that turned around. It's going to be interesting what he sees. But obviously as a Mizzou fan, after a lot of years of – you know, not a lot of excitement with Conzo Martin and his program. There's a, you know, there's some excitement now with Dennis Gates to see what he's going to be doing with this group.
4: Yeah, I like I said, I think they they played with a really good pace. Mm-hmm. And for me, I mean, I, I almost didn't show up to this segment, kind of like my Alani and <laughs> bragging rights. I was going to just sit this one out, but you know, I, I'm a man of my word. I, I'll take the heat from 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 all of the uh, the people out there listening because I do give Mizzou a hard time. They had a, they played a hell of a game. They won the game and they beat us handily they did not let off the gas either that's the one thing that i saw you know pretty much the entire game even while they were up mizzou did not let up off of the gas and it's surprising to me that they're still not ranked we talked about it earlier they're number 32 and i think alini is still ahead of them at 30 um they dropped out of the top 25 but the fact that mizzou isn't ranked yet um is is a little bit shocking i don't know if if you know, obviously, if they're able to win against Kentucky tomorrow, which their, their schedule—I mean, their trek schedule—is just it's terrible. They're gonna have they're gonna have a hard time, but I, I do think they have a, they have something going in the right direction at in Columbia. They are they are you know, Coach Gates did a great job, has done a great job so far at the pace that they're playing at, um, and they they are a fun team to watch, they, even even though they beat up on my Illini.
3: And by the way. In football, Mizzou lost their bowl game, well, the Union Home Mortgage Gasparilla Bowl, <sighs> lost it to Wake Forest 27 17, a rather uninspired, unimpressive performance. And on today's Tuesday, Thursday is it? No, you guys have a January 2nd, don't you? Yes, sir. Uh, mm-hmm. January 2nd, the Illini will play at the exact same stadium against Mississippi State in the Quest Bowl at Edward, not Edward, at Raymond James Raymond Stadium. James
4: hopefully much better uh, yeah mississippi state hopefully a much better outcome than the Mizzou tigers had in football yeah you have to that believe wasn't good.
3: A, that'll be an inspired mississippi state team though won't it
4: yeah yeah you lose your head coach and and the things that they've dealt with that's going to be a as you said an inspired team and playing with with heavy hearts and playing for 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 their coach um you know at this tough situation to to have to go out and and go about your business after losing your your guy so you know i think um But I think the Illini will take care of their business, hopefully run the football well,
3: run it right at them, and uh, come out with a W. By the way, I think Eli needs to win eight games next year. Here's
4: my thing, and I I say this, and it does not matter to me, and this is not me Mizzou bashing, this is a college football bashing. I absolutely hate that teams can make it to a bowl game with the potential to have a losing record after the game is over you shouldn't be allowed to play. That's if you are the Illini who were trying to get in last year with a 6-6 six and six record. No, I hate it. And if you're the Mizzou Tigers, no, I hate it. Because if you – what do you really gain from a losing record season even though you made it to a bowl game? Like, is the is the goal to make it to a bowl game or is the goal to continue to ascend your program in the right direction? And a 6-7 and seven record –
3: does not continue to, to to lead you in the in the correct direction. This might be a discussion for later in the week because I believe even five years ago the extra month of practice, the extra three weeks of practice was valuable. Yeah. Now with the transfer portal and the fact that you have a new team every year, doesn't make any difference. Doesn't at all.
4: matter. You're losing guys. Guys are sitting out bowl games. Guys are not, you know, going to be there for that bowl game. And, and, you know, starters that you... How <laughs> many love it wasn't there? He was a starter. Yeah. You know, he, he transferred to Georgia while you all are preparing for the bowl game. So, I it. it I just I – don't, I don't like teams having an opportunity to end the season with a losing record and having on their resume that they played in a bowl game.
3: And I look at the crowd, and nobody besides Missouri and Wake Forest <laughs> fans were
1: there. watching.
4: How are they making money? I don't know. It was – it. there were more people – I watched the Texas High, high School State Championship yeah, games. Yeah. There were more people at the Texas High School State Championship games than there were at Raymond James Stadium to watch Wake Forest and Missouri play football.
3: Yeah, and this one – let me get back. The uh, There was a sponsor. It was the Union Home Mortgage. That The, the ROI for Union Home Mortgage can't be that great. No. no. Right? You're probably one and done there. I mean, I had to so go, go your- and search for it, and I'm a fan, <laughs> right? Right. Yeah.
4: That's, that's, it's
3: difficult. Yeah. Kerry, Randy, The Fight, next on 101 ESPN.
1: Back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN.
2: Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight in the red corner, Average Joe.
4: Welcome back to the opening drive. I am Kerry Davis, joined by Matthew Rocchio, and we have a fight on our hands. And you know, um, I've been getting a lot of crap from the text line in terms of this Mizzou, Illinois game. But I am a good sport. I enjoy. It. We appreciate it. We can take it. Rock is uh, on the phone, efforting our texter, who was said he's going to be in the fight. So we are working on getting that guy to answer or gal to answer their phone. And I think we have the person. It is Michael. Michael is going to be joining us for the fight. Rock, good job of getting our fighter. Michael, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing
0: fantastic. How are
7: you
4: guys? We are doing wonderful. Thank you for answering and thank you for uh, texting in saying you wanted to do the fight. We greatly appreciate it. (laughs) You ready to roll? Let's do it. All right, Michael, here we go. Brock Purdy is just the fourth player to throw multiple touchdowns in his first three career starts since 1950, but he's still lagging behind the record holder of five straight to start their career. Which 1980s quarterback pulled off this feat? Was it Dan Marino, Jim Kelly, or John Elway?
0: I had Dan Marino in my head before the choices, so let's go with that.
5: All right, the Steelers have famously had just three head coaches since 1969 of those past three Steelers head coaches. Which had the shortest term as the head coach? Was that Chuck Knoll, Mike Tomlin, or Bill Cowher?
0: I'm going to go Mike Tomlin.
4: All right, Michael, happy birthday to Lorenzo Neal. Fullback great. Neil <laughs> made his biggest waves as a lead blogger for LaDanian Tomlinson, earning three of his four Pro Bowls and both of his All Pros in the Powder Blue. Which team did he play for immediately before joining the Chargers, earning his only other Pro Bowl berth? Was it the New Orleans Saints, the Tennessee Titans, or the Cincinnati Bengals?
0: I have no idea. I'm going to have to just purely guess on this. Uh, let's go with the Bengals.
5: All right, we got some Christmas Day action in the NBA, and it was a good one. Nikola Jokic put up the fourth ever 40-15-15 in NBA history. Only one other active player has done that before. Who was it? LeBron James, Giannis Antetokounmpo, or James Harden?
6: Um,
8: let's go and go Harden.
5: All right, we'll double-check in our score, and we will go bring in Randy Carriker.
4: Michael, how are you feeling? I'm uh, not great. Really? You 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 may be surprised. I, you I you, you sounded like you guessed on a few or on one, maybe a few. But sometimes guesses are are you know they actually work out well for you. We'll see. Yep. You 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 may be surprised with with your your score when we get to the end. Randy, say hello
3: to Michael. Michael, good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How you doing, Randy? Doing great. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. Absolutely. Love you guys. Thank you very much. All right, Randy, you ready to roll?
4: Ready. All right, here we go. Brock Purdy is just the fourth player to throw multiple touchdowns in his first three career starts since nineteen fifty, but is still lagging behind the record holder of five straight starts five straight to start their career, which nineteen eighties quarterback pulled off this feat.
3: Nineteen eighties, multiple touchdowns, first five games. I will uh I'll suggest that Dan Marino did that.
5: Randy, the Steelers have famously had just three head coaches since 1969. Of those three head coaches, which had the shortest term as the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers?
3: So it was 13 years for for uh, Chuck Knoll, right? No, 70 Oh, uh, yeah. To, is that right? No, 23, 22. Whatever. Um, and then Cower I'm just doing math here. <laughs> Cower was 13 I guess he must have been like 92 to 06 14 and then 7 17 18 19 20. I'm gonna say Bill Cower had the shortest tenure
4: all right, Randy. Happy birthday to Lorenzo Neal, fullback. Mm-hmm. Neal made his biggest ways as the lead blocker for Ladanian Tomlinson, earning three of his four Pro Bowls and both of his All-Pros in the powder blue. Which team did he play for immediately before joining the Chargers, earning his only other Pro Bowl berth?
3: I seem to recall him as a member. Oh, You know what? I remember him with multiple teams but I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the Titans
5: alright Randy. we got some Christmas Day action in the NBA as usual and Nikola Jokic became the, put up the fourth ever 40-15-15 line in NBA history only one other active player has ever done that before who is it? so it's 40, 40 points, 15, 15 assists, and 15 rebounds only four ever in NBA history, one player currently active other than
3: Jokic. Has Only done it. four in history. Only four out. in history. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, right? Because you'd think that, well, yeah, I'll bet you Walt Chamberlain did it, but I'll bet James Harden did it. Who, by the way, leads the league in assists right now. Do you, you guys realize that? Did not. It's unbelievable that James Harden is leading the league in assists, but he is. He's become a, a pass-first dude.
5: <laughs> For the first time. In over a month We have a tie on the fight <laughs> hey! Which means I finally get to use my tiebreaker That I've been saving since the very beginning of the World Cup Because Randy a asked a question I have the answer for Randy character So we are going to go into our tiebreaker How we do this is I will say a question We will wait for Randy to write down his answer um, Mike will then Give us his answer audibly And then we will say what Randy Carricker wrote down No one changes, no one influences anybody's vote Because it is always closest to the pin Probably a
3: World Cup Yes it is Uh,
5: Mike, do you (laughs) Mike, do you understand the rules? Yeah, don't say anything. Okay, perfect, perfect. There you go. And Randy, are you ready? a piece of paper. Okay, so way back at the beginning of the World Cup tournament, uh, a team scored six goals total in a game, and Randy was like, "Well, that seems like a lot." Has anyone ever scored more than that? The answer to that is, of course, uh, yes. Uh, But so, my question for you, Randy, is, Mm -hmm. and for Mike, of course, what is the highest total goals scored in a World Cup game? What is the record for the highest total amount of goals scored? in a World Cup game. Randy character please write down your answer now. All right, Randy Carricker has his answer. Mike, what is your guess? Now, was this one team or both teams combined? This is both teams combined. Oh, it's both All teams right. oh, combined. Oh, oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, change your the the mind. Total, total, <laughs> goals, total goals scored in a game in World Cup history. Oh, no. well. That changes my answer. Did I not say total goal? I thought I said total goal. I, I not
4: pick that up. Hold on. Don't answer yet,
5: Michael. He's, he's writing it. his answer again. What is um, the highest total goal scored in a game in World Cup history? My apologies if I skipped over the word total. All right, Randy Carricker has changed his answer. Mike, what is the highest total goal scored in a game in World Cup history?
0: I'm sure there have been some pretty sloppy games. I'm going to say
5: sixteen. All right. This was a tough one. Obviously, we have not had a tie here in the fight in a very, very long time. So the question here is, in a tiebreaker, did we finally get a caller to beat Randy? Or even with a tiebreaker, is Randy just fine? By the way, Randy, your guess, uh, Mike's guess was 16. What was
3: your guess for the tiebreaker question? I thought it would be 12. I was thinking maybe a a 9-3 route. And
5: (laughs) with that, we have a winner of today's fight. The
2: winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. The fight is driven by mobile on the run. Join the on the run STL wash club for a limited time offer of $5 a month. Download the app today.
1: Just win, baby.
5: I'm sorry, Mike. Randy <laughs> got it right on the nose in the tiebreaker Man. question of 12 goals. It was Austria and Switzerland, 7 for Austria, 5 for Switzerland. Mm, wow, you did tie him 3 for 3, so it was a very tough fight overall. Let's go through those answers really quickly. Brock Purdy, just the fourth player to pass for multiple TDs in his first three career starts. Dan Marino holds the record five straight starts to start his career where he threw multiple touchdowns. The dealers have famously had just three head coaches since 1969. Chuck Knoll for 23 three years. Bill Cower for 15, and now Mike Tomlin passing Bill Cower as he is finishing up year number 16 this year. Happy birthday to Lorenzo Neal. Three of his four Pro Bowls and both his All-Pros in the powder blue for the Chargers. Right before he was at the Chargers though, he got a Pro Bowl berth with the Cincinnati Bengals. Oh, uh, he did play for the Tennessee Titans for a couple years, also the New Orleans Saints and the Jets. And we got some Christmas Day action in the NBA. It was a good one. Nikola Jokic to put up the fourth ever 40-15-15 and 15 line. The only other active player to do it before was in fact James Harden and man they will love him if he gets packed to Houston so it was a 3-3 tie and then of course the highest total goal scored in a World Cup game it was 12 Randy got that right on 16 was the guess from Mike Mike, you, Mike it was a close one he took him to the tiebreaker thank you so much for playing thank you so much for joining the show
0: no problem love you guys good job Randy
5: thank you very <laughs> job, much Michael.
3: and uh, happy new year hope your holiday season is great Bye.
6: Oh, it's too hot. hot, hot, hot. There we go.
3: <laughs> on a cold day, you want to feel hot hot hot. Yeah,
1: exactly. Is it still cold up?
4: It was 15 oh, degrees yeah, when I came okay, here. Yeah. It's 15. 14 right now. Yeah, okay.
3: I think we're getting up to uh, the 30s today. 30. Oh. oh. Supposed to be in the 60s 32. on
4: Thursday or Friday.
3: I think they changed that to the 50s now. That's okay though. All right. I was watching Ken Earhart this morning and he's never wrong. There you go. That's pretty good. Coming up, Darren Pang talking some blues here on 101
1: ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN.
2: Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We're talking everything St. Louis blues as we head into the
1: blues booth. Presented by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors, a proud partner of your St. Louis blues. Find your perfect new floor at our four convenient locations and online at boardwalkhardwood.com.
3: Kerry Davis, Randy Carricker, the opening drive on 101 ESPN. The Blues hosting the Toronto Maple Leafs tonight. Six o'clock pregame here on 101 ESPN. A seven o'clock faceoff that you can see on Bally Sports with John Kelly and Darren Pang, who joins us now on the Braun and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Panger is out walking friend of the show, Brucey. Good morning, Panger. How are you doing? I'm doing great, uh, uh, Randy
0: and Carrie. Happy uh, happy holidays to you both. Hope you had, hope you had a great uh, Christmas and, uh, and and Boxing Day, which is huge in Canada uh, yesterday. But uh, yeah, Bruce is actually not doing very well. I might have to walk him because all the salt on the road and the sidewalk gets in the paws. And uh, Ooh, yeah. and uh, yeah, and so little Bruce has got one paw up. I'm, I'm gonna he's gonna battle through this though. Like he's a he's a tough little cookie, <laughs> and uh, and so I know he's a uh, He doesn't want me to carry him because he's getting heavy for this little fella. So, um, and I've had too much eggnog uh, during the Christmas break, so I'm not at my strongest right now. But anyway, I think Bruce is going to be okay. He likes being part of the show. I I think every time, you know, you you mention his name, he perks up a little bit. I can tell. So
6: I think
3: he's going to be okay. Hey, Hey, Panger! For those that aren't aware of what Boxing Day is, give us a little primer on Boxing Day in Canada.
0: Yeah, I'll probably get it all wrong, you know, the history of Boxing Day and all that. I mean, some said that, you know, the servants uh uh the servants uh, you know, would 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 get the uh, you know, get the homeowners or whatever the the uh, the stuff that they didn't want or or they would wrap up stuff uh, and put them in boxes so that they got to celebrate their day afterwards. I'm probably wrong on all of it, but we just call it Boxing Day the 26th of December. And, uh, and it's not about boxing like boxing. You know, it's not Muhammad <laughs> Ali boxing. It's really about the boxes. And so, anyway, all I know is it's a holiday. Uh, the World Junior Championships always start on Boxing Day. So it's always it's always a big day, actually, in Canada because there's no NHL hockey. And we know how much they crave watching NHL hockey. But, but then they get excited because, oh, my goodness, the preliminary round of the World Junior Championships, which... In case you don't watch that, if you have NHL Network, they carry a lot of the games, which is uh, which is really really good. So um, anyway, so that's that's what I think about when I think of Boxing Day. I think of an off day. I think of uh, uh, somebody in this world is getting a probably another present that somebody else didn't want in <laughs> another box. How about that?
4: <laughs> hey, Banger, we we were given this question earlier on the text line, so I wanted to ask you: Do you think that O'Reilly and Teresingo are both on this on this? Um, on the roster once the, the trade deadline hits. Oh boy, Kerry, you're throwing that, you're throwing that kind of thing right at me right off the hop here. Deep it it was asked to us and I, I didn't have an answer. So I figured I'd ask the expert. What is hitting questions like that? Man. <laughs> well, listen,
0: I, I will say this, that, that all I can say is that the, I go back to the history of, of Doug Armstrong. Okay. And I think if he, if he believes that this hockey team is in it, Come late February, because the let's call it mi- middle February, and I'll just go back to his history because that's what he did with Paul Stastny when Stastny was going to become an unrestricted free agent. The Blues were only a point or two points out of the playoffs, they'd lost like six in a row, and they didn't, and they lost without a fight. There was no fighting for one another. There was no spirit for one another. And I think Doug Armstrong said at that point, "You know what? You guys, you guys don't want to play for one another. Then I'll, I'll move guys that are going to be unrestricted and then get my assets for them." So all I'll say is, if this team shows the promise of what we've seen on certain nights, and that is a team that can beat any team in the NHL and possibly win, I don't see Army moving players like that just because they're unrestricted free agents. I, I see, I see Doug Armstrong keeping players like. You know, whether it's Vladdy or, or Ryan or Ivan, Barbara Shev's an unrestricted agent. Nico Mikola is unrestricted. Like, we've got a lot of really good players here. Uh, but, you know, I think if Army believes and, and Chief believes that this team can win and they put together some real good hockey as they've done lately, then, uh, then I, 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 I don't see a move just to make a move because they're UFAs. I, I, I see them as great rentals down the stretch if that's what you want to call them and then possibly get players re-signed or maybe we get surprised maybe in the new year early maybe army's got to you know a deal up his sleeve and and they've been negotiating on the side with with a lot of discretion which is very typical of army and uh you know agents that he deals with he doesn't want any of the agents that he's dealing with talking an awful lot he doesn't want anything being leaked and uh that's the way he works and he's always done that he's done a great job of doing it that way so that's the best answer I can give you, Terry. And, and that's just the honest – that's just the, the way I see it and the way that Army, I think, he has done it in the past.
4: Well, I, I think that, that you're on, on you know the right track, and I believe that they do think that this team has the potential. We were uh, listening to a cut from Baruby earlier saying that even though they are where they are record-wise, he still feels that this team is, is pretty good um, and can – you know, potentially make a run. So I think that they will keep those guys in the fold and and take their chances to see what they can do in the future if they're if they're going to try to make a run at the Cup.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're going to subtract how many players you're going to subtract, and then then you know then then where's the organization at? I mean, there there's a there's a lot of money that's been poured into season's tickets. There's a lot of belief and passion in the Blues fan army's done a phenomenal job, um, whether selecting coaches that have run this team or. Or just quite simply uh, making the right move at the deadline, um, or making no moves at the deadline. So, but the bottom line is, it's it's up to the players. It's up to the players to 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 bring their best every single night. Um, Not, I I always I use a couple of phrases. You know, I'm a big Springsteen fan, and "Spirit in the Night" is one of my favorite songs for sure. And and I I think I, I think if if you play games and your, your teammate gets knocked around in a game and 14 guys look the other way. Are you really a great team? You know, Or are, are you battling like crazy? You're winning one nothing, and, and 14 guys are putting it on the line and they're blocking shots and you come to the bench and they're tapping their sticks on the bench. They're getting high fives. They're getting a pat on the back and a big hug. Or their goalie makes a big save and nobody goes over to him and gives him a pat on the pad. Or your goalie makes a big save and everybody goes over Like there There's a way that you can see it. You can see whether a team is together or not. And so what I've seen at parts of this year, parts of this year, I think they're trying to – they tr- they were really trying to find themselves. Like, what are they? What's their identity? Is there an identity? And then, bang, they hit it off. And they, hit, they win seven in a row. Then they go on a little spill. But I, I think lately, the the way that they played – again, you go back to Edmonton, you go to Calgary, Vancouver – a tough one in Seattle on the back-to-backs. But then they, they get a huge point in, in Las Vegas. And I, I think there's something with this team. And I think they want to prove to to everybody that they're a lot better than what they played.
3: Panger, if you think about the Toronto Maple Leafs over the last five or six years, high-flying team with Marner and Matthews and uh, the, the acquisition of Tavares and, and William Nylander, And they've, they've always been top 10, top 12 in goals against this year. Toronto has the second highest goal differential in the league. They're second in goals against for, for you. Why has that happened? What's happened with Toronto to have them become, and by the way, I think they're 12th in goals per game. Why have they changed their philosophy?
0: Well, they have to, I mean, this is, this is make or break time for the Toronto Maple Leafs. I mean, this, uh, you know, they they put the Beatles together and, uh, and, and they, You know, they they never really put together a great supporting cast for me. Uh, But I I think they've gone through a lot of ups and downs and more downs, more adversity. Living in a city like Toronto, where every win is, is you know, you're planning a parade for the Stanley Cup. Every loss is a reminder of 1967, the last time the Maple Leafs won the Stanley Cup. Um, You know, and I'm I'm pouring through the stuff as well, the notes and and just the stats and everything. I mean, they get all their, you know, when you look at them, they they get all their shots from the same five guys. I mean, so, but there's five of them. So it's hard to, it's hard to, it's hard to shut that down. I mean, their total shot attempts, I I believe, come from five guys. Matthews, Nylander, Marner, Tavares, and, and Bunting that's 50% of Toronto's total shot attempts. But then you say, okay, well let's shut down, uh, uh, Matthews and Tavares. Well, you still have Nylander, Marner, and Bunting going on. So you have to play a real heavy, well-selected game. You've got to make sure you're tight in five-man units. And if you if you think you're going to play a, a ro- I call it a, a, a road hockey game with them, well, you're sadly mistaken because they'll, they'll really make you pay. But I, I will say this. They don't get a lot of action from their back end. They don't get a lot of shots from their defensemen. They don't get a lot of offense from their defensemen. So you know when they're in the offensive zone, you can allow them to play it back to their points because not, they're not dangerous. You know, whereas the Blues get like 35% of all their shots from their defensemen, other teams don't want pucks going back there. So uh, just, it'll just be a difference in defending and being hard on sticks and making sure that you're tough in front of your net because that's where they're going to be the most dangerous.
3: Looking forward to it. Panger, always great to have you with us. Thanks so much. Have a We won't speak to you before the New Year's holiday coming up this weekend. So happy New Year.
0: Sounds good. This is going to be a heck of a game tonight. I always love it when the original six come to town. It's going to be great.
3: Guys. We'll be tuned in.
0: Thank great. you, sir. Happy New Year. Bye that bye. is
3: Year. Darren Patton with us on 101 ESPN. We got tragic news on the passing of our friend Demetrius Johnson over the weekend. And we'll remember DJ next on 101 ESPN. You're
2: back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
3: Kerry Davis, Randy Carricker and... Uh, there are some great people in our town. What makes a community is the people in the community. And for all of the issues that St. Louis faces, we're a community of great people. Gary Davis is a great person, Matthew Rocchio. Uh, we have so many good ones. We don't have anybody better than the the late great demetrius johnson uh carrie i was just getting ready for christmas eve on saturday and i got a call from dan weinstraer a a mutual friend uh, that both dj and i i have one of the really great people in town he's in charge of the painting and decorating foundation and dan over the years would help young city kids get involved in the trade, in the painting and decorating mm-hmm. trade. If they weren't going to go to college, they, they trained them. And it was something that was advanced and advocated by Demetrius Johnson, who worked his way out of the projects, went to McKinley, got a scholarship at Mizzou, played in the NFL for four years with the Lions, and then spent a year with the with the Dolphins and then a training camp with, with the Chargers, and was... So happy to use that NFL platform mm-hmm. to make people's lives better. And I got to know DJ because we did football games. And actually, the first time you and I got to know each other was when you were filling in for yep. DJ on yep. a high school football game yep. on charter. Yeah,
4: it was. It was, uh, Many years ago yeah. I think 2010 I believe but first time I did a game and you know just knowing I didn't know DJ well I've met him on a few occasions um, done a, done a, done some interviews with him but didn't know him in the in the way that you did but just knowing the impact that he's had on the community and and you know I, I do I did listen to his show on mm-hmm. Sunday mornings when you were driving uh, you would hear him talking about different things in the community and and have different people on to try to figure out how to help different people in the community. I think that's he was a he was a servant. He was a guy that definitely did his best, you know, to to help as many people as he could. Um, and, and, and I think that's our job. And, and whenever you are, you know, in media or you're a professional athlete, our job is to give back to those who are less fortunate. And, and nobody did it better than DJ. And, you know, it's going to be a tough loss. You know, we were talking about it. To lose a, a family member at this time of year is always tough because that's mm-hmm. the thing you associate with a Christmas holiday is you want to be joyful, but you also think about, are you, you you feel guilty for having that joy, joyful moments with that person not being here. So, you know, to his family, to to all of his friends, it's my condolences because I know this is going to be a tough year to get through. It's going to be tough for years to come. But but I would say if if DJ was the man that you all knew him to be, he would want you to have fun, enjoy, you know, your holidays. Give it pay, pay it forward to someone else. And make sure mm-hmm. that you are in the giving spirit, just as he always was. So that that's just the man that he he seemed to be to me.
3: And there were so many things that he did, whether it was that every year he got up to thirty five hundred. 500- Thanksgiving meals that he handed out this year. They've been doing it for about 25 years. Uh, uh, He had a Christmas party. This was the 32nd year of uh, a Christmas party where he provided toys to underprivileged kids in the area. He would get uh, high school coaches together to hold combines for high school players that maybe had been overlooked by colleges and college coaches would come in and six or seven guys a year would get scholarships through the combine that DJ had put together. And, Obviously, just did so many things for so many people, and as a community, we're going to need to crowdsource now mm. because he took a lot of it upon himself. He opened the his mom was a community servant as well. His mom, late mom Eddie Mae Binion, and so he bought a building. His foundation bought a building on Union, uh, and it, they developed the Eddie Mae Binion Center in North St. Louis for kids who. Didn't have a parent at home after school, but wanted to have a safe and productive place to go. So he opened up this spot, and it has been a godsend for the area because it provides kids the opportunity. We talked about either learning a trade or doing their homework or getting involved in something safe rather than being out on the streets in in St. Louis. And we know that that can be... pretty difficult. He also was great friends with his alma mater, Mizzou, and Eli Drinkwitz uh, tweeted about him the other night on on DJ's passing. Uh, he helped Gary Pinkle with a lot of kids in the St. Louis area. Uh, Barry Odom, he, he and Barry Odom were great friends, and there, he was a great liaison between the St. Louis football community and the University of Missouri, and that's, that's a smaller bridge that will have to be maintained as well.
4: Yeah, you know, I think the the impact from from what I know about DJ and what I've heard about him is just the the impact that he made in 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 the black community, helping young men and young women um, that were less fortunate. And that camp you spoke about was an HBCU camp. He 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 brought in the black colleges to to come in and you know see these kids, as you said, that may have been overlooked or not getting the opportunities. Um, I took some of my kids, my kids that I coach, have gone to the camp down at Slu and and been a part of it. So he always did a good job of of providing for those that were less fortunate or, yeah. or the most in need, which, you know, that, that's, that speaks highly of, of a person and, and their character and who they are, to be willing, so willing to give back. When you know most times when you do give back so much, you're not, you'll never receive, you know, the things that you give back, but you still have a heart yeah. to give to those that need it the most.
3: When I was in the hospital 11 years ago now, the group of people that visited me in the hospital, I will never forget. DJ was one of them, Frank Cusamato, Danny Mack, Mike Claiborne, uh, the, the the group is, it's the, the group of my best friends. And DJ, and I, I obviously I was going to make sure I was there the night that he, he went in a week ago Friday yeah. for his initial surgery. Uh, he was under, they, they woke him up on Sunday and then I went and visited him on Thursday and I thought he was fine and obviously we, we got the horrible news. But DJ was the kind of guy, and I know I wasn't the only person but and i put this on my instagram post the other night i would be mindlessly going throughout a day and i get a call from dj sometimes i'd be down sometimes i think he read people really well he'd just say hey i want you to know i'm thinking about you and i love you mm. and that's the essence of demetrius yeah. johnson is he, yeah. he was just a loving person and he wanted to bring everybody together black white blue green yellow he was somebody who really wanted the human race to To meld together. And that's one of the reasons I loved him. And obviously our prayers with uh, with Pat and his daughters, uh, and by the way, he missed out on the opportunity to uh, to see his first grandchild, his, his daughter Ashley, is due in February, but Taylor and Alex, just fantastic kids that uh, he was so, so proud of. And so our, our thoughts and our, our prayers are, are with them. And uh, for the entire St. Louis community, we lost a we lost an important cog in Demetrius Johnson.
4: Yeah, I mean, like I said, that that is. The toughest thing is losing people, but losing them around the holidays, like I said, because that that sticks with you. But, you know, to his family, you just want them to continue to, you know, serve in the way that he did and understand that he was he was the man that he was. And he loved them and not Mm -hmm. not allow this time of year every year to be a a sore spot for them, but to be a a spot where they remember all of the things he did and, and, and the type of man and the character that he
6: had.
3: And a couple of things. Number one. You're right. We have to celebrate. We have we have to celebrate and we have to reflect what yep. he what was. But the other part of it is, hopefully, and we all have our faith in different ways, hopefully Demetrius Johnson is looking down upon us with even more power than he had as a human being <laughs> on right. Earth.
4: To, uh, to, to, uh, to tell people and show people how to, how to do the right thing.
3: Exactly. Yep. No doubt about it. Yeah. That's Kerry. I'm Randy. And uh, if you were a friend... Uh, a family member of DJ We're, were thinking of you today And uh, we'll always be thinking of him He he will never be Forgotten because of the impact That he made on so many lives Coming up next on 101 ESPN Today's big thing, what's your confidence level In the Blues being able to make a playoff run That's coming your way on 101 ESPN You're
2: back to the opening drive podcast On 101 ESPN Presented by Dobbs Tire And Auto Centers
1: and Carrie break down the biggest story of the day on the opening drive it's time for today's big thing
3: well for me personally it's like it's frustrating at times for sure and uh, it's a lot of up and down um, but then you know you gotta keep believing and keep working on things. And, you know, for me as a coach, trying to rally the team and improve the team, you know, to get us uh, playing consistently. That is Blues head coach, the chief, Craig Bruby. and his team will take on the Toronto Maple Leafs tonight at Enterprise Center, 6 o'clock pregame with Alex Ferrario and... Uh, Joe Vitale, and then 7 o'clock face-off with Curbs and Joey. It's 9.04. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, and officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Okay, Kerry, so the Blues are 16-16-2. Uh, they went 3-1-1 one, and one on their most recent road trip, 5-3-2 and two in their last 10. They are, at the moment, five points out of a playoff spot, and we should note that four years ago, they were much worse off than they are right now. They were dead last in the National Hockey League. What's your confidence level in the Blues being able to maintain what they did in their last five on the road? So you're saying they got a chance?
4: They got a chance. (laughs) Um, I think you know the three one and one on the on the five game road trip is is good. I would have maybe felt better if those last two weren't you know a loss and then a loss in overtime. Mm -hmm. But I I think for the five game stretch going on that road trip. All in all, if you look at it in a vacuum and just say this is the record, and not look at when the when the losses took place, you would say that's okay. Um, they are they are. I, I'm <laughs> cautiously optimistic. Mm-hmm. That's the only word that continues to come to my mind because you know when we listen to the cut from Baruby earlier today, talking about where they are record wise and how he feels confident about them, it does lead you to believe that this team. If they play their the the game that he's been asking them to play all season long, they can be a really good team. The issue is, are they going to do it every single night, and are you going to be able to close out periods? I, I, like I said, against the Golden Knights, you had to lead in the second period. You allowed them to score a goal within the last two minutes. Same thing in the third period. Those are things that teams that 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 win championships they don't do. They take care of you know ending periods. They take care of not allowing as many shots on goal and and. I just feel like defensively, sometimes the the effort or the the attention to detail is not always there, which can lead to a bit of frustration. But I think if you are looking at their ceiling, what they can be, they can be a a, a playoff team that makes a deep run into the playoffs.
3: Here's where I come down on this, and I agree with you, but it's going to be dependent upon health because when they – don't have Jordan Kairou in the lineup. Yeah. That's a point-of-game guy. 32 points in 31 games. Robert Thomas, 31 points in 33 games. Those are your top two scorers, and mm-hmm. they didn't have Kairou for those last two games. Yeah. I still think that the Seattle game, just because of the circumstances, fourth and five nights, yeah, all of that, that stuff. That's a tough That loss. was a game you were that, probably going to lose. Correct. But if you get the goal from Kairou against Colorado, then all of a sudden you don't have to go to overtime. Yeah, And Jordan Cairo wasn't available for those last two. I believe that Cairo has become, this is amazing to say, (laughs) based on what we thought in November, but I think Cairo has become such an integral part of this team that they can't afford to have him out with injuries and still expect to win on a regular basis. So I am confident, if they have Kairou and Thomas in the lineup together. I think everything else will fall into place because you kind of know what you're going to get out of Tarasenko. Buchnevich is a really good player, but again, he's another guy that hasn't been in the lineup. Shen is giving you a, a Shen year. Uh, you, you aren't getting as much historically as you've gotten out of your defense in the past, but Kyru and Thomas are more electric than a lot of the, the forwards that you've had over the past few years as well. The one thing they don't have, and they're just going to have to do this as a team, they're going to have to play better defensively as a group because they don't have that one defenseman, that big, lanky, great stick defenseman that is going to be able to shut another team's best forwards down.
4: And we, we've talked about Cohen Pareco a lot this season, and and he does look... Injured. I mean, there are times where he's not moving. He's, he's just not moving as well as I guess you would be accustomed to him moving. But I think that's a that's that's not just him. As you said, it, it seems like on the defensive end at times they're just sticking their stick out there and yeah. trying to trying to hopefully get a tip you know tip puck or or get the puck off of the stick of the opponent, but not really moving and closing the space in between those two guys. So I, I think it's a a collective decision on on the defensive end, as you said, where they. They don't allow so many shots on goal. I think Bennington. We, we've talked about him. You know, maybe not performing as well as you would like him to. But I think he's he he plays pretty well most nights. And the number of shots on goal is is the issue right now. And mm-hmm. so I think that that depends on the defense in front of him, making sure, as I said, moving your feet and getting bodies to people as opposed to just sticking a stick out there and hoping that you're able to deflect
3: the puck. The other part of this, and this is a dramatic change for the Blues, a nice time players who you're playing with has a lot to do with it. But here's Ryan O'Reilly's stats with the Blues. First year, 77 points in 82 games. Second year, 61 and 71. Third year, 54 and 56. Last year, 58 points in 78 games. This year, he has 15 points in 34 games. He's well below a half a point a game. Uh, his years in St. Louis so far: plus twenty-two, plus eleven, plus twenty-six, plus eleven. This year, he's minus twenty-six. And He hasn't played the whole year with Jordan Kyrou, but that the the Kyrou the that was struggling in the first part of the season was was a big part of that. But I just look at Ryan O'Reilly as a guy who, when he does play well, the team seems to play well. My hope is is that for the rest of the season, this post Christmas portion of the season he can get back to what he has been in the past. What do you, he by the way his defense is still very solid. He he's the one guy on this team where if you have to shut down a McKinnon or a McDavid he's capable of doing it, but the rest of the game just hasn't been there on a consistent basis.
4: What do you think that is the cause of that? Like what I mean if he I don't know if he has has aged overnight or over the year uh in comparison to to what he did last year, but what do you think is causing him being minus twenty six and, and, and being the worst plus minus on the
3: team. I think there's a couple of things that go into it. Number one, when he was playing with Kairou, Kairou was not playing well defensively. Okay. And he was the victim of basically the, the group that he was with not playing effectively defensively. But I also think that he's lost a step. Trying to trying to cover up for what uh what Cairou may have been lacking and not, not doing right. defensively. Yeah. And by the way the Blues just announced that they have placed Tori Krug on injured reserve, and that's another guy that has struggled. Yes,
5: six weeks before the reevaluation for him, Tyler Tucker recalled from Springfield.
3: So that's another bad thing for the Blues.
4: Well, uh, is it because there's a guy that we keep talking about? I mean, mm-hmm. not <laughs> is it because Kelly Rosen is still there, and he's a guy that we've talked about. Who, when you talk about plus-minus, is leading the team in plus-minus. But for whatever reason, there this is a guy that shows great effort. You know, moves his feet well takes great shots when he gets his opportunities, but for whatever reason, they don't want to give him the time mm-hmm. on the ice. And that, to me, is, is a little bit troubling and, and mind-blowing that, that he doesn't get he, – he seems to stand out. And maybe yeah. there's something that I'm lacking or missing when I watch him play, but if there's a guy that is playing well on the defensive end and does stand out in comparison to some of the guys that
3: are getting the time on the ice, why wouldn't he play more? He should get more time, and he, he's very steady. The thing with Krug is that he's the only guy on this team capable of quarterbacking a power play. They don't have a power play quarterback now. With Perunovic out, I don't even know how they set up their power play <sighs> without Torrey Krug. Who's who's the guy that's going to to be the point man on the power play that's going to set you up?
5: It's Falk. Yeah.
3: Yeah, Folks,
5: and, 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 but here's the problem. That's kind of the problem with Pareko Is that the fact that he's he, he's he's on the number two power play, but your initial thought isn't even to bump him up. Even it's just okay. Well, that's that's where you yeah. he, that's that's what he is. We're he's talking not, about a guy that's just with great uh, vision
3: of the ice. There's nobody else. There really isn't. Not with Perunovic out. So six weeks for for him for for Krug, and maybe what they'll have to do is buckle down a little bit more defensively. And then just kind of hope that you can get more production out of the power play than you expect without a real power play quarterback.
4: Well, yeah, I, I would much rather be good defensively on the on the defensive end. If you're a defenseman, a guy that is um, taking care of that end, if we, if we do get on the power play, we,
3: we'll figure that yeah. out later. And getting back to O'Reilly and and Krug, O'Reilly is not the kind of guy that'll ever tell you that if he is hurt, mm-hmm. he looks like he's lost a step, but yeah. he might be injured. Yeah,
4: I I, I just I. The, it, <laughs> It, it something has to something has to give something has to change and and I think like I said they are right there they are a team we Randy this has been a, a, a roller coaster ride that we don't know where the next turn is coming you said the other day it was was it Magic Mountain where the, the yeah, it's dark it's dark yeah you, you don't know where the where the drops are or where the turns mm-hmm. you have no idea and that's kind of what this blue season has been um, but. As I said, 3-1-1 one and one on the road trip, on a five-game road trip, is not bad.
3: Uh, let's see how well they play, how well they perform tonight. It starts tonight, their post-Christmas schedule. The Maple Leafs in town, 6 o'clock, pregame, 7 o'clock, face-off, here on your Home of the Blues 101 ESPN. Coming up, Bronco fans would like to tell you that they have the worst organization in football. But do they? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back
1: to the opening
2: drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
3: This will be the sixth straight losing season for the Denver Broncos. They're headed to their fifth head coach in eight seasons, but they did win a Super Bowl in 2015. But even with that, Bronco fans believe that their organization in Denver is the worst organization in the NFL. Uh, Kerry, Dan insider, would like a word.
4: <laughs> <laughs> he, he may be. He's at the front of the line. I, I You know... Dan Snyder and and what they're doing and I, I hate it because you know my guy is Jason Wright the the I think he's president. the president of, mm-hmm. of of football operations and he's a he's a former teammate of mine great person great guy um, and just in a, in an environment that you know he didn't he 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 got hired into um, and so. When you look at what the what the Commanders are doing, they've 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 changed their name a couple of times. They were the football team mm-hmm. last year, correct? And then right. they now they're the Commanders, but they still have the same issue. They're still Washington, ran by Dan Snyder. And when you look at kind of some of some of their issues, those issues are are not even on the field. Like those issues are much bigger, uh, organizational issues as opposed to just not performing well on the field, which. Eventually, all ties in. But if I were if I were looking at a franchise right now that may be one of the worst, just just issues. You think mm-hmm. about the Phoenix Suns and and the issues that they were dealing with. The the um was it the the Clippers a few years yep, back with, with, Donald with, with Donald Sterling with their issues. When you have issues, work environment issues where people are not wanting to come to work and do all of the things that all of that trickles down yeah. to the play on the field and and the Commanders right now are are.
3: They're in a in a in a situation where they got to figure some things. out. I think it's we we can have this argument, but we almost have to leave them out because they're so far uh, ahead of everybody else in terms of being horrible. They are,
4: but you also have to take your hat off to Ryan Rivera to be able to hold it it's together incredible. with bubble gum and tape and duct tape and glue. The the with the way that it's almost like okay, fellas, we're not even going to look at what's going on upstairs. Let's just focus yeah. in down here
3: as best as we can, and they're still you know in the playoff hunt. Okay, let's uh, throw a couple of other ones in here and I know there are a lot of Arizona Cardinal fans in town because the Cardinals were here but they only have one Super Bowl appearance that was in 2008 they lost they did congratulations Uh, (laughs) they have no championships since 1947 that was two cities ago they never hosted a playoff game in 28 years in st. Louis they haven't done a whole lot better in Arizona that is because of their lack of championship pedigree and we're going to get to some others here. The Cardinals are on the list without question.
4: Oh yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. They they in 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 terms of NFL history, they are they're one of the teams you look mm-hmm. in and say, "Oh, they they have they have struggled." As you said, leaving here going to Arizona, um, they had a name change too. They were the Phoenix Cardinals at one point. Yep. now they're just they're representing yeah. the entire state, I guess yeah. um, that's when they moved to and, 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 <laughs>
5: yeah. and what have you what have you done for me lately? you know they're they're looking like they could be mired in you know contractual issues with a quarterback and having to pay multiple coaches because they gotta fire their big one too early in Kingsbury and Murray. So I mean even the what have you done for me lately situation with the Cardinals is, is kind of the worst it's been in the last seven,
3: eight years yeah, really it's pretty bad. Now, you know a team that uh, a franchise that is it's abysmal but it hasn't been abysmal for a long time, is the Houston Texans. I think we kind of tend to forget that Bill O'Brien was actually okay there. And yes, they're headed towards the first pick in the draft. And they were 4-13 and last year, and they were 4-12 and the year before that. But before that, 2019, 10-6, won, we're in the playoffs. They won their division. The year before that, 11-5. Uh, won their division, lost in the wild card round. Four and twelve the year before that, but then nine and seven, nine and seven, nine and seven. I mean, that that was a winning organization that made the playoffs on a regular basis until the last three years. Yeah, that... <laughs> but once Jack Easterby got there, and he's been fired now, I believe, uh, then things started going downhill. They are a, a a team. You know, you had the whole issue with Deshaun Watson,
4: where that kind of. Went off the rails, and and now yeah. they were looking in a different in a different route. They were they were a team that was going to hire a guy in in I can't remember Josh which come McCown. Josh McCown. I I always forget which one it is that had not coached any professional football or, or collegiate football, and and unlike Jeff Saturday, was not working for ESPN mm-hmm. in the studio. And then they decided, oh, that that, that may be an issue. Let's hire Lovey Smith, and they're still struggling. I I when I look at this franchise, though, you think about. What they've had, they had some some very good players in JJ oh, Watt and Whitney Merciless coming yeah. off the edge. They they were a team. Arian Foster, they Andre Arian Johnson. Arian Foster, Andre Johnson. They had you know they had um they had DeAndre Hopkins yeah. who they let walk right. away and, and 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 not get anything. They, traded them away they didn't get had anything 15 in return. Great years
3: of left tackles. They, Dwayne they, Brown and yes, then Tunsel.
4: They are they have been very good, but still for some reason unable to get over the hump.
3: In a division that they should be able to win. And by the way, losing their owner when Bob McNair died a few years ago, that's when things seemed to really go off the rails for the Texans. Okay, a couple of other bad franchises. Despite the fact that they're in first place right now, they're still under 500. The Jacksonville Jaguars went to the AFC Championship game in 2017, all right? And they had six defensive players. They played two seasons after that. By the time we got to 2020, so after 2017, they played 2018, 2019. By the time we started the 2020 season, none of the six defensive Pro Bowl players from the 2017 Jaguars were still with the organization.
4: And that was a team, if I'm not mistaken, came into Pittsburgh in the playoffs and beat Pittsburgh. I was at the game, um, and they were calling themselves Saxville. They were, They were. Calais Campbell was on that defense. They were playing extremely well. Blake... and Anguike? In Gu- yeah, in Guacua, it was was exactly, was yeah. the uh, defense. They were playing extremely well. Um, Blake Bortles was the quarterback, yep. if I'm not mistaken, and Leonard Fournette mm-hmm. was the running back. They had a team that made it to the AFC Championship game, one game away from making it to the Super Bowl, but couldn't get over that hump. And now, just trying to, uh, you go through Urban Meyer. the The Urban Meyer experiment is what mm-hmm. I experience is what I want to call it because it was an experience for those on that on that team and on that roster. And now you're looking at a team that has a potential to to go and make it to the to the playoffs if they win their division if they beat the Titans in the next couple of weeks so I think that they are a team on the on the ascend because they got a star quarterback mm-hmm. who, Unlike who just like Justin Herbert, probably won't make it make many right. Pro Bowls. He those two guys are going to be on the outside looking in unless there are some injuries to Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, or, or Joey Burrow. Um, as far as making it to Pro Bowls, and when you look up 15 years from now and you see they only got two or three of them, you're going to wonder, well, what the hell was going on? They weren't that good, <laughs> but their numbers are going to be spectacular.
3: Okay, the winners here might be the Jets. Okay, seventh straight losing season one winning season in their last 12. Their one and only Super Bowl appearance and a win came after the 1968 season. All right, so that's 54 years ago. In the 2018 draft, took quarterback Sam Darnold third overall. In the 2021 draft, took quarterback Zach Wilson second overall. And one is gone. Won't One looks like he won't be there next season. And they just don't seem to get any better
4: the thing about them though is they I feel like they've hit on, Pretty much every other draft pick, other than the quarterbacks, mm-hmm. Quentin Williams, who is a, a All Pro, going to be an All Pro defensive tackle. You got Sauce Gardner, who's going to be a stud in this league. Brees Hall, who is out for the year, mm-hmm. was the leading rusher um, for 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 rookies and 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 doing a fantastic job. Gary Wilson. They've done a great job over the over the draft over the last three or four years of of drafting guys. It's just that quarterback position for whatever reason they have not who was the who is the greatest quarterback in in jet history
6: hey.
3: Joe Namath
4: is in the Hall of Fame. Uh, the, okay, uh, the only one Vinny Testaverde is comes to mm-hmm. mind for me, but I don't have. You got Chad Henney or Richard Chad Todd, Chad uh, Pennington? Is it Chad, Chad Pennington? Pennington? Chad yep. Pennington, like yeah. him and Chad Henning are, are virtually the yeah. same guy. Pennington was a little bit better, by the way. they the well, don't, don't
5: take away from Chad Pennington. No,
3: Pennington. no I'm not. they're they they are, they are the same though. Mark Sanchez was a little. Mark same. Sanchez a couple of yeah. AFC Championship games. Yeah, that was that was ran by the defense
4: that they had with Rex Ryan. That he had nothing. He was just having to. Be there so, at the time.
3: Zach Wilson sucks. You want to get things going there. Robert Sala came from at, San Francisco. Uh, Mike LaFleur, their offensive coordinator, came from San Francisco. Does San Francisco have a quarterback that's going to be a free agent this year? They do. That's you my got, play. You got to find. Put, you bring your in. offensive line back together and let Jimmy G take the reins.
4: That that might be a. a a recipe for success. Success. Randy, I was looking at I I while we were doing this, I was looking at some of these franchises and, and looking at Hall of Famers because that generally mm-hmm. tells you kind of the, the character or the history of a team. The Jags have one in Tony Baselli. Yep. They should I think Fred true. Taylor should be one. I agree he should as be. well. Houston has zero. We talked about them. Yep. Um surprisingly, I was looking at the Ravens, who I think is a very good organization. Mm-hmm. They only have three. Now I I guess that's Lewis, because Ogden, Reed, and 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 Ray Lewis. They've been yeah. driving since the nineties. Yeah, uh, you would yeah. think that they would have a few more, but but, the, but most of those franchises are are I guess younger in comparison to some of the other ones. Look at the
3: Lions. It's Barry and, uh, Calvin. and Calvin, right? Yeah, I think in, that's In, it. in those sixty five years,
4: I, I believe you. I believe that's all you got. So yeah. it, you look at some of these franchises and you wonder why they are not successful. It's because they don't. They don't draft the guys that are going to be there long term and they're going to be, you know, Hall of Fame caliber players. When you when you have those type of players, one, they want to stay there because the organization is ran well, and two, you're going to be a better team because you got those guys on your roster and it helps you win more games.
3: By the way, the Cardinals had four when they were here. Larry Fitzgerald's going to the Hall of Fame. Is Patrick yep. Peterson a Hall of Famer? Uh, it's- Think so? No. So maybe he, in, in in their thirty four years there, they they they've got one lock, right? They they haven't had any Larry. other ones. Larry is yeah, Larry sure, the only lock.
4: Does Bolden? The, Anquan Bolden Bolden's, go in? He go if he goes in, he goes he in goes as a Cardinal. Cardinal.
3: Yeah, and but that'll be kind of like Torrey and, yeah. and and Isaac. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's a pretty well, tough thing, and but, obviously only one great quarterback who was Kurt Warner. Yeah. So, yes, Matthew. I was going
5: to say the Jets. It's been so long. The last time they had an explosive offensive player, what 2004? Curtis Martin. Has it literally been almost 20 years since they had an explosive offensive Have player? I think Brees Hall, Marshall, pretty Brees good, Hall,
8: good for them. Yeah, he,
4: I think so. Brees Hall was that this year for them. I I, I think had he not gotten in, injured, this team would be in a better situation than they are right now. He he was the one that had done such a great job, you know, in this season three he his until he tore his ACL. Um, but when you think about the Jets, you don't think of you know spectacular players like you don't no. think of there's not uh Darrell Reeves comes to mind as yeah. as a lockdown corner Curtis Martin Curtis mm-hmm. Martin um but offensive players the just offensive just... players you don't i couldn't i couldn't is, is LaVernius Cole LaVernius Cole he's my explosive be? receiver to like
5: play for the Jets since 2000 in like it in is, this century yes they, it, <laughs> Marshall <laughs> led
3: the league in touchdowns in 2015 for them had 1500 receiving yards who was his quarterback was that Pennington I think it was 2015. About no, it would have been post-Pennington. Who would that have been that year? Um, oh, hell. I don't even know. <laughs> Ryan Fitzpatrick. Oh, okay. That, that makes sense. Yeah. And Geno Smith was on that team, too. Geno. We're going to talk with Mike Claiborne here on 101 ESPN.
2: You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
3: Kerry Davis, Randy Carrick, We go to the Brown and Kruppen celebrity line and uh Mike Claiborne has been thinking about the loss, the tragic loss of Demetrius Johnson all weekend long. Claves joins us every Tuesday here on one oh one ESPN. Claves, good morning. Thanks for joining us. How you doing?
8: Man, I'm doing well. Um yeah, it's been a rough weekend for sure. But uh, you know, we, we you know, I, it, it was like losing when I lost Jay Randolph Jr. And I'll never forget his last words to me were, live for me. Got to do the same thing for DJ.
3: Absolutely. How did you meet DJ? How long have you known him? Oh,
8: gosh. So we used to have a flag football team when I got out of college. And um, and we were really good. We had a lot of guys who played college ball, You know, weren't good enough to play the next level. And he showed up one day. We were practicing in the summer at Penrose Park. And if anybody knows, Penelope's Park, pockets, where right, right across the street from Matthew's Dickey is, and he showed up, wanted to just work out with us, and we had some really good players, and uh, I'll never forget, he was defensive back, he was gonna go to Missouri, and we had some good receivers, man, and that that first day they were they were wearing him out, okay, they they were showing him moves that he'd never seen before. And I said, "Well, we ain't got to worry about him. We ain't see him. We'll never see him again." He showed up the next day, ready for more action, and every day he got better. So when he got to Mizzou, he was a pretty good player. <laughs> so I've known DJ since he was in high school. Wow! And uh, you know, we we stayed in touch. You know, the whole nine yards, and. And you know, you knew DJ as well's as idea, right? Mm-hmm. You know, he was feisty. He was a guy that you, you, don't, you don't, he wasn't your friend till you got in an argument with. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, if you, if you didn't disagree with him or he didn't disagree with you, you were never going to be his friend.
3: Mike, he used to love to tell people, even uh, up until literally his last couple of weeks. He he used to love to tell people, Randy and I hated each other when we first met.
6: <laughs> exactly, <laughs>
8: exactly. And say with me. So so I think our crowning moment was in uh, 2007. I was in the hospital. I was sick. I was literally dying. Okay, and I'm laying there, and I opened my eyes one day, and he was standing over me. And I, and I just said, I don't know what this means, either I'm dead or, <laughs> you know. And, and so I, I realized either I was dead or God's giving me another chance to make peace with somebody. And he sat in my room. We talked for like two hours. And we were just chopping it up. And so we were like, man, we are never going to fight. We're never going to, you know. And, and we didn't. From that point on, And any time he had an issue, he wasn't sure about it. he called me. But here was the coolest thing, and this is the last time I, my, my my most favorite moment would help. So we're at Mizzou. Uh, where Mizzou was playing this year. And somehow or another we started talking about music. People he loved to listen to. And he he was a Hall and Oates fan. The think about Demetrius John, that's the last group I would ever think that he would talk about, right? Yeah, yeah. And I said well, man, you know, you know Daryl Hall's coming to St. Louis in December. He said, you got to be kidding me. I said, yeah, I know I know Hall. I, I know everybody in the band. So he and I, his wife, my girlfriend, Rick Lehman, and D.J. from Dirty Mothers, we all went. We're sitting middle, like, a rows by, and D.J. was having the time of his life. He said, big dog. You know how you know, say Big dog. And this is this is the bomb, man! And he, to watch him trying to get up and get his jig along, I could not stop laughing, man. <laughs> that was our last night together. It was I think it was the, like December first, but we talked every other day about something else. Mm-hmm. And now uh, I'm gonna tell you, man. And so I talked to him that Friday. I said, man, I'm coming out to see you on Christmas, and I think you were gonna do the same thing.
6: Mm-hmm.
8: And then when I found that, that that Saturday when it happened when he, when he left us, I was a disaster. Um, but I, but then I started to think about all right I got I got to do like what Jay asked listen to him. yeah good call. Be, because uh, you know he he was he he never met a stranger, and you knew where you stood with him. And there's a few people in town. They're like trying to act like well, yeah, DJ. He's a great man, and he had nothing for you.
6: Mm-hmm.
8: He had nothing for you, and so I wish they would just shut the hell up, okay? Because we all knew where they stood with him, but his heart was so big for so many reasons, and 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 he, and he was funny because I remember uh, when when Kanye West lost his mind. I never forget he said, "Man, you know there's something wrong with that dude."
3: And the way he said
8: it, just and I couldn't stop laughing. You know how he is, you know, DJ. You know he was not a uh, he was not a poor laureate or anything. He was he's he a man. It's so wrong with that dude. And I could not stop laughing. <laughs> That's Every time DJ. I see Kanye. Even today, I think about DJ. That's awesome. Great. But he never he he had the biggest heart. Yep. You know he never let anybody suffer. And uh, that's what I want to remember about him. Hey, and man. you know, he just—he—he's he, my dog. Because he said, he, uh, he said, I got to call you, a big dog, man. And I was like, why? Well, he said, because you're not a big—you're not big anymore. <laughs> All right, call me whatever you want to call me. And then he started wearing tight jeans. I used to always go up behind him and pull on the back of his pants and look at you trying to go skinny on me. What are you trying to do, <laughs> man? And we would laugh about it, man.
3: That's beautiful
8: my condolences to you as well. Uh, we were talking earlier about... Uh, but you know, what? here's the other thing. He had a two daughters. His, he had two daughters, Taylor and Alex. And I have two daughters, Taylor and
6: Alex. Wow. Uh, right.
8: And we would talk about our daughters all the time. I say, yeah, I, I got one I love to death. The other one don't love me, man. We just laugh about that, man. And uh, it, it, he, he was so special to me that, that I, I just man i miss him i miss him already and uh but i will live for him i promise i promise i would i would i would i'm gonna turn it up a little bit it's gonna be fun
4: Hey, my condolences to you as well, Clay. As I was, we were talking earlier about just DJ's impact on on the black community and and the HBCUs that he would bring in to have, you know, the camps yeah. for for the high school kids that may have gotten overlooked. Can you just talk about how 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 important that was for for the community <laughs> of, and all of the things that he was doing for for people in the community?
8: You know, Kerry, that's a great point you make, and I, I'll tell you something: uh, what he meant to so many kids whether they went to HBCUs or University of Missouri. And he loved Missouri. And I remember when when Gary Pinkle first got there, and they they had a bond that was incredible. And they fell out at the end. They had an issue. But he still respected him. Barry Odom, same thing. Mm-hmm. Eli Drinkwood, same thing. And all the basketball coaches went there. I mean, you know, the biggest loss is going to be the University of Missouri. Because DJ was the conduit um, for that university. I mean he he spoke up, stepped up the whole nine yards and the HBCUs, all the kids who maybe weren't ready to go to Mizzou, he found somewhere for them to go. And so when I, I just spoke to Deion Sanders the other day about. It. And he was like, Man, I don't know what to say. He said, you know, I knew him a little bit, I knew what he meant. I mean, and that's the thing. DJ knew everybody, Mm-hmm. you know. And and you know, I'm a little I'm a little older than him, but there are people who, when I'm on the road I'm traveling, they were always, hey, how's Demetrius doing? I mean, that's who he was. I mean, he was always, you know, you know, helpful because he always wanted to make sure the one kid that everybody forgot about, he did
3: forget. Yeah, absolutely. Well said, uh, claims Aside from that, uh, Klabe's online still going on during the baseball offseason. And I know you've got a lot of stuff going on content-wise at Klabe's online.
8: Yeah, we do. And, you know, as I told you guys recently, Rick is going to be part of us in 2023. And we're going to be doing some stuff with him for baseball. Uh, the hockey coverage is going to step up a little bit more. Uh, the two-man game where, where Rammer and Rockio, I think, to me, if you're a basketball fan, you have to listen to those two because they cover everything. You know, Rock is uh, – I don't want to embarrass him, but Rock knows his stuff. And I'll say stuff because I don't want the FCC to get a <laughs> uh, like, license away or anything, but bottom line is uh, we, we're going to have a lot of fun in 23. we got a couple other announcements we're going to make here soon about uh, some people who are going to be part of what we do. But, yeah, man, just – Go online and check us out. There is something for everyone, including a bad voice I have.
3: (laughs) Hey, Claves, thanks so much for remembering DJ with us this morning. And uh, we will have a great 2023 and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, sir.
8: Can't wait, fellas. Uh, Have a great new year. Uh, And you know what? You and I, Randy, we talk, man, hug your family, man, because you just never know. You never know. And let them know every day you love them somehow, some way, because you know, DJ left us too early, and that was one thing. He would always – we would hang – I love you, big dog. Yeah. And then, then I just dog after a while. But <laughs> that's what we need to do, man, because you never know, man. And, uh, yeah, he he will be with us for the rest of our lives for
3: sure. Absolutely. Well said. claims. Happy New Year, and we'll talk to you soon. Can't wait. Take care, fellas. (laughs) Mike Claiborne with us on 101 ESPN. Coming up, the Bad get underway in 2023 again, and we're going to talk to their wide receiver, Marcel Aitman, next on 101 ESPN. You're
2: back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
3: With Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis, I'm Randy Carricker. The St. Louis Battlehawks of the XFL are back at the Dome coming up in February, just after the Super Bowl. It'll be fun to have the Battlehawks back here and big crowds at the Dome. Joining us now on the Brown and Croupin celebrity line is Battlehawks wide receiver Marcel Aitman, who went to Oklahoma State. He's been with the Raiders and the Cardinals in the NFL and now making the, the Battlehawks and getting ready for the season. Marcel, thanks for joining us this morning. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing well. How are you fellas
4: doing? Doing wonderful. Thanks for joining us. Uh, I see that you went to Wiley East in Texas. I have a nephew there that is uh, a Division One. I- Football player, he's going to be enrolling in, at at uh, University of Iowa coming next fall. So uh, I want to tip my hat to you because that's the common, that's the the connection that I have. Wiley East, Terrell <laughs> Washington Jr. I uh, play him, him and uh, me and his dad played together. Oh, yeah, you you know, you heard of him, haven't you? I
9: know, uh I know exactly you talking about. He's uh. He played DB, he, yeah, um, running back DB. Yep, he does a little bit of everything. Running
4: back DB, he played, Yeah, he does everything. I know exactly what you're
9: talking about. Yeah, his dad got a little uh, training facility out here.
4: He def- yep, he does. He, he trains a lot of the athletes that are that are committing to schools. Also, uh-huh. Marcel, tell us about you, just your your experience. You you played um, drafted in the seventh round by the Raiders. Had a few years uh, there with Oakland uh, before they, and then one with Las Vegas. Tell us about your your journey and your career and and what led you to uh, the Battle Hawks now.
9: Oh, man, it's been a journey, definitely. Uh, you know, like you just said, I, I started off uh, being drafted uh, by Gruden and his crew. Um, I played there. I ended up getting moved up after kind of, you know, some cuts and everything kind of happened mid-season, And then uh, I ended up starting the last 11 games. Um, mm-hmm. Had a good little, little rookie season. Um, went into the next year. Had a good another little year, you know, play my role, play some special teams. Um, we had some guys come in, some some guys that, you know, signed pretty big. Um, so, it's it just been a good journey, man. It's, it's, it's been uh, ups and downs, but, you know, that, that's part of the league. You know, that's a part of the, the NFL and any kind of league that you get into. You know, you have to uh, embrace that journey. You have to embrace what's going on. Um, you can't really control everything um, that comes, but, man, I've enjoyed it. I've had uh, some great coaches behind me, some great teammates, um, and some great experiences, you know. Uh, and then just ending up, you know, I ended up doing training camp with the, with the Cardinals, and then uh, I wasn't able to get picked up all year. So why not come to the Battle Hawks and uh, turn this city up, man, and, and enjoy this time and get back to doing what I love. And You know, I still have passion for the game. So, you know, I'm still training hard and, and going at it. So. Why not come to the city and, and make something happen?
3: Marcel, how can you compare, if you can for us, the difference in talent level that is in this training camp as opposed to a typical NFL training camp with the Raiders?
9: Man, you know, I've never uh, – I never i do not know exactly what guys will be there. I haven't really kind of looked at it and as uh, far as like the DBs or nothing or, or what's going to be going on. But we have some NFL coaches and uh, some players – that has been in the league. So they know the expectations. They understand um, how things work and how to compete, how to practice, how to go about their business. So, you know, I'm pretty sure there're going to be some guys, and just like in the NFL as well, you know, you got some guys that are good. You got some guys that, you know, you might think not so good. But at the end of the day, you're going to have to respect the man that you're going against and you're going to give them your all. You're going to hopefully give you your all. Y'all going to compete. Y'all going to have good. Uh, friendly competition, man, but at the end of the day, we out here to get each other better and get ready for the season. So, you know, when it all boils down to it, man, we just trying to win a football game. Uh, we're trying to get better, grow as a team and get better.
3: One thing I've always thought, Marcel, is when an NFL team cuts down from 90 to 53, 37 guys were on that roster. And from what I viewed when we had the Rams here in St. Louis – a lot of those were really good football players. It seems to me there's a lot of good football yeah. players available for a league like the XFL.
9: Oh, man, it's, it's it's. I know some guys that's in the CFL. I know some guys mm-hmm. that's in the USFL. I know mm-hmm. some guys that's all around that can ball that can really play. You know, what I mean, not a lot of people really kind of understand that. They think just because you're not in the NFL, oh, you can't play the, you know, you can't play at that level, which is not the case. You know, there's a lot of guys that can really play. There's a lot of things that people don't understand as far as the politics of the NFL, and just football in general. You know what I mean? There's a lot of things that kind of go on, and a lot of variables that pay, um, that go into a lot of different things that people don't understand. But there are some ballers, man, at all levels of this game. And I know there's going to be some ballers, and I've seen some names already There's some boys that I already know that, that I know are some ballers that can play in that league. But, I mean, it's just, you know, you just got to take your journey and embrace wherever you at, and you got to take advantage of it. You know what I mean? Because you don't never know. There's GMs, there's coaches that got connections to the NFL. So next thing you know no, we all seen it. You know, you can get right back in that just like that.
4: Hey, Marcel, you talked about your team having some some NFL coaches and in former NFL players. One of those being Ricky Pro, which will be your wide receiver uh-huh. coach. What, what have you had a chance to speak to him yet? Uh, and what have those conversations been like?
9: You know, they've been very brief because uh, we haven't really been able to um, really have as many meetings as we would want to. Um, but I'll talk to them whenever um, they drafted me. Uh, we had a good conversation. We had some good conversations in our meeting rooms, Um, but, you know, kind of with the holidays and kind of just our short time with meeting and everything, but um, it hasn't been as extensive as I would like it, but, you know, I know as soon as we get up there, we're going to be able to jump on it and get to, you know, really know each other, really uh, meet each other. You know, we're going to be locked in for a month um, just in that building, so, you know, we're going to have a lot of time to get to know each other and, you know, see how each other works. I'm excited, man. I'm really excited. Are you
4: are you old enough? I I, to, I feel like I'm an old man at this point. Are you old enough to remember his catch in the in the NFC championship game? I
9: believe so. I believe so. I'm I'm twenty eight, although that's uh, Okay, that's well old you enough, may so. you may have been
4: able to see you, remember, you were yeah. probably 10, uh, 9,
9: or eight, somewhere yeah, when it happened. I mean yeah, <laughs> highlight. I, I was able to see the
3: highlights. Okay, okay, yeah. hey Hey, did anybody has uh, anybody brought you up to speed on what it was like here with the XFL before the pandemic with the Battlehawks? No,
9: man, I got it. I got it briefly. I heard it was you know I think it was only what two games, and uh, it was able to it was cut short or two or three games. Right, right. But they were saying man, the stadium was twenty thousand, you know, if not more than that, just packed, rocking. So they, they they gave me a little brief, but I don't think you. I, I get the the severity of it that I really get to be out there in person and
3: see it You're going to love it. You're going to love the crowds and uh, you're going to love the atmosphere at Battlehawks Games. Marcel, thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. Happy New Year and we will see you here in St. Louis soon.
9: Yes, sir. Thank you, fellas. Y'all yeah, enjoy it. Happy New Year. Same
3: thanks. Take you. care. Marcel Aitman of the St. Louis Battlehawks went to Oklahoma State Raiders, Cardinals, and uh, played in uh, at Oklahoma State. That's as long as Mike Gundy has been the head coach there, it's been a pretty good passing offense, and they developed some pretty good wide receivers.
4: They they have done a done a pretty good job. I wanted to ask him about that rivalry between between Oklahoma State and, and Oklahoma. How how intense that gets. Uh, hopefully, we'll get him back on and, and be yeah. able to ask him about that.
3: Yeah, it's a, and what a bummer that we may not have it anymore. Well, yeah.
4: Mike Gundy does not recruit small wide receivers.
3: No, he does not. He
5: does not recruit tiny ones at all. Gee, 6'4. You I mean a, Justin Blackman was a big guy. Des Bryant was not like six, not like 6'4, but he was thick. thick. He was yeah. built.
4: I had a coach tell me he doesn't like small people. <laughs> Seriously. Really? He was serious. <laughs> <laughs> he was he looked me dead in my face. Say, Coach, I don't see,
5: like he, small people. It's people
4: like that that, get, that
5: that that cause Aaron Donald to fall way too
3: low in the draft. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is true. This is true. <laughs> He, uh, Marcel, played at Oklahoma State with the Parkway Central receiver. Remember remember Brandon Shepard? Yes. He's a good player uh, at at Parkway Central and had a good career. I think he got a cup of coffee in the NFL. Uh, So we'll ask Brandon about uh, playing with the St. Louisans as well because they both had really good careers at Oklahoma State. Carrie, Randy, it is the opening drive on 101 ESPN. We're here till 11 today because Tim McKernan and and, uh, Action Jackson have chosen to take this week off. Well,
4: everybody in the hallway has... Seemingly taking the whole week off. It looks like we're the only two, only three here working yeah. the entire week. And I mean, we're just Tanner's here now. Well, Tanner, Tanner yeah. walked in. Okay, yeah.
3: Tanner's okay. here now too. So we, fine, we, got, we got four. Yeah. We, we, we don't, we don't mind showing people that we're willing to work. Hey, Hanks is working. Yep. Hanks. Yep. Good. To see Hanks you. Edwards. Good. Good to have <laughs> him with us. Yeah, we're uh, we're we're like the undrafted free agents of Hubbard Radio. <laughs> just here. keep going. Got to keep, we, gotta grinding, keep right? we
4: can't take a day off, <laughs> no, Randy. you are undrafted, <laughs> you don't get a day off. Everyone else gets to go into. In the cold tub <laughs> that, and relax. That's the tagline. You got to stay line. on the field and keep practicing.
5: Yeah, that's <laughs> the tagline I've been looking for. The opening drive, just a bunch of Mister Irrelevance. So,
3: how long did it take for you to hear? Can't make the club from the tub. Oh, do you hear that? The first day,
4: <laughs> the first time you walk into the training room, you, you yeah. know, and it's the vets saying it. It's yeah, not man. the trainers. The trainers there to do a job. the first yeah. vets are telling you, hey, you can't make the club
5: in First the First time your hand's bent the wrong way. They're just like,
4: hey, man, can't make the club, you're in the tub. You hey, have the, to do the amount of pain that one endures oh. during a training camp or football season oh. just to just to be able to play on. on like, the Training camp now, I could sleepwalk through that. Mm-hmm. I, I could sleepwalk through training camp, but the training camps that I had to go through, had to participate in, where we were in full pads every practice, Mm-hmm. <sighs> that, backs on backers blitzing drills inside run inside run is the worst drill ever you can't
5: make the club from the tub unless of course you're like year 12 Jerome Bettis and so oh. that if they can't cut you you fake an mm-hmm. injury so that they can't cut you in the final cut and you make it on the roster you build yourself back up and you get back going keep playing
4: I, I've seen guys almost get into fights because one guy had to was able to skip practice and the other guy another vet did not really
3: oh, oh yeah <laughs> Oh, yeah. It was
4: anger involved. Randy, you just know, he get a day off and I don't?
3: Hey, for, <laughs> I know how grueling it was for you. It was the best for radio guys because it was shooting fish in a barrel. Everybody wanted mm-hmm. to talk. The food was awesome. And so, so you go, and even with for meal with the three-hour practices. So you get up, you go to a three-hour practice, interview a couple of guys, go out. Uh, Claves was there all the time. You know, all, all the radio and TV people get together, uh, go out, have lunch. Go up to the training table, have lunch. Come back for the second practice. Interview a couple more people. Do a show. Go out, watch a movie, have some fun. Do, do you want to know why it was so easy to get players to
4: talk to you? We yeah, were why? sick of each other. Yep, <laughs> that makes sense. Sick. <laughs> Which is why my, of each other week two, three of being in the same vicinity of <laughs> of ninety men, a hundred plus men, and and you're just there running into I each like other every day. I am sick of you, sir. I would gladly talk to you, Mister character How are you doing? Good to see you. <laughs> it's, it's good funny to see
5: someone else because it was it was early last week when. You you dove into a Twitter conversation with Chris Long, one of my favorite uh, preseason guys, because until Jeff Fisher really like put the hammer down on it, there was a time where, where, where fight with when fights would break out in, in preseason camp. Chris Long, it didn't matter if it was the offensive lineman a field and a half away, Chris Long would throw his helmet off and take off running.
4: He loved the camp fights. Yeah. I, I scheduled a fight with James Harrison. We we scheduled one. Him <laughs> and we. we planned one. If we had to do one more drill. Just so you could get kicked out? Yeah, we were tired. <laughs> nice play. Nice we, were tired. we were tired. We were tired of the, the backs versus backers. We, <laughs> we came to an agreement, hey, if we do this drill again today, me and you, first two up. We're gonna run in each, into each other, and we're going to start fighting to the ground uh-huh. until they pull us up, and pull us up off of each other. And now we won't have to do this drill anymore. We came to a, we came to a an agreement. And how did it play out? We didn't have to do the drill. Oh, okay. Fortunately, I don't know if he knew. I don't know if he knew that's what we were mm-hmm. like. We we sat down in between practices. If we got to do this one more time, this is what you and I are going to just you and me. Mm-hmm. We're gonna fight. Because we were the only two that, that could fight and mm-hmm. and feel like, you know, they would feel like it was... Uh, Believable? Yeah. 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 So we're going to fight. Yeah, I see that. <laughs> Let's
3: do it. That's Kerry. <laughs> I'm Randy Matthews here. Coming up, should the Cardinals dive in on Carlos Correa if the Mets decide to not get involved? That's next on 101 ESPN.
1: You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN.
2: Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
3: 10 your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler with Carrie Davis and Matthew Rocchio. I'm Randy Carricker, and Tim McKernan decided to take this week off so we're with you until 11 o'clock every single day this week and Matthew figured it out that we're actually working more hours in a four-day work week <laughs> than we do in a normal five-day work week. I don't Absolutely know how that works out.
4: Absolutely amazing. Yeah. When he told me that this morning, it's like, oh, that math ain't math, and I don't... That don't yeah, I, <laughs> no, I don't like that. It <laughs> doesn't seem like... It doesn't seem right. I don't know how no. that worked.
3: No, I, I'm with you. So we'll be here <laughs> for, the, for the duration this week. John Heyman of the New York Post reporting this morning that uh, Carlos Correa has heard from other teams since his issue with the Mets occurred, but he's focused on working it out with the Mets for now. Here's the question. And Heyman, by the way, suggested that it was 55-45 that he would wind up with the Mets. Should the Cardinals be one of the other teams? The Cardinals have always talked, CD, about the market coming back to them. Mm -hmm. If the market is palatable for a guy who over the course of a 12 or 13 year contract is having difficulty working through some medical issues, but if it's a four year deal for hundred million dollars and you're the Cardinals and Scott Boris wants to reestablish his value. Do you give him a four year deal for a hundred million dollars with a couple of opt outs? Would you do that for Carlos Correa if you were the Cardinals?
4: Well, I I think the I think the injury issue is is what's causing, I guess, some pause from from the Giants, had them pull the deal and say we want we don't want to do it. Now the Mets are, are looking into it, figuring that, that his injury may get may worsen the older he gets. And so if you're willing to take a, a a four year deal, if you're Carlos Correa, a are you willing to do that, and b if you're the Cardinals, are you willing to do it? Also, I, I think it would make sense. But I but the Cardinals are, have said that Tyler Edman is their shortstop for now, mm-hmm. and I think that all things change. Obviously, if if you're able to get someone else, but you said four years for 100 million, 25 million a year, mm-hmm. you're comfortable paying that to a to a guy who you don't really know with the injury history. How how? productive he will be or continue to be?
3: The reason that I would do it is because for eight years he generally has been a productive player. Mm -hmm. And I feel much better about four than I would about eight or 10 or 12. And even if his range diminishes... Goldie's contract is up in a couple of years. I don't know if Paul Goldschmidt is around. He's going to be 35, 36. Mm -hmm. Do you keep him around at 37? You could always DH Correa if his range diminishes at short. The bat, I think, is going to be there. So I think it's worth a gamble on for a team like the Cardinals. And yes, Edmund is their shortstop. But I would suggest that the team is going to be better. By the way, there's... No foundation for this at all. This is pure conjecture on our part. Mm-hmm. But I would I would like my team better with Correa at short and Edmund at second and with Brendan Donovan coming off the bench.
4: I, I could see that. I, I could see a situation where but that always leads me to my 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 other question, which is if you sign to a shortstop to a a four- or five-year, six-year deal, what is that? where does that lead Mason win? You You tell me he can play, because of his athleticism, he can play second base, he can play outfield. Mm-hmm. So you, you're not as concerned with that, but if you're if you're bringing him up as a shortstop, wouldn't you want him to play that position?
3: Yes, but it gives you more time, mm-hmm. and it allows you to ease him in. So, as an example, you play this year with Arenado Correa, Edmund Goldie. The next year, so so, Wynn gets a full year at AAA. Mm-hmm. The next year, Wynn gets an opportunity to be a fill-in guy like Donovan was this year. Play him a little bit in center field, play him at second, play him at short. Then the year after that, Goldie leaves, and either he's the DH and Correa moves to first, or Correa is the DH, right. and Win gets a preponderance of the time at second base. Plus, you do have to give Correa the opt-outs, and Boris always uses the opt-outs. Right. So you might welcome... A year of Correa and then having him opt out again.
4: I, I could see that making sense. I just feel like I don't feel like that that's up the Cardinals alley. That doesn't it's seem not. like a, a move that they would be looking at a guy who has failed two physicals. It seems at this point um, the, whatever results that the Giants and the Mets have seen they're not really pleased with it in terms of giving, that, giving Correa that, that term of contract. I think it'll be difficult for the Cardinals to make that decision. It would be nice it would be awesome if if they could, but I I also think that with the injury or whatever whatever is coming up in that medical history is going to scare off you know more teams. I think that's more so the agent saying, "Hey, we still got suitors. Mm-hmm. Eh, you might have suitors, but it's probably not for the 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 amount of money that you initially signed with for the with the Giants
3: or with the Mets. And the Cardinals are already reticent to spend." The deal that they gave to Wilson Contreras is the biggest free agent deal yep. they've ever signed for somebody outside of the organization, that's eighty-seven and a half. Are they going to spend a hundred on a player that has medical questions? No. No. That's just not gonna and, happen.
4: And, and to do it two uh, to do two in one offseason, that I mean you've never done one that mm-hmm. large. You you probably aren't gonna do two in one
3: offseason for that number. Yeah, if the market was going to come back to the Cardinals. I don't think the Correa situation is what they were thinking of. I, I think that what they were probably <laughs> thinking of, if something crashes here and Trey Turner becomes available mm-hmm. at that price for that term, that would be something that we, could, we might consider, maybe, maybe, but st- certainly not, I won't say certainly not, probably not a guy who, you have doctors in San Francisco and New York, Yeah, pretty good medical communities that are saying, yeah, the leg is, is iffy.
4: Yeah, uh, and that's not. I mean, for Carlos Correa, that has to be heartbreaking to hear mm-hmm. that that people don't think that his leg is going to hold up and and be able to play. You know, for X number of years, that that's got to be extremely frustrating. Randy, I wanted to ask you this: What are your thoughts on these teams signing players to these twelve year, $13, million, 13 year deals? And because I think of I think of Mike Trout out in LA, who is he's he he should be the face of baseball. Should have been. Yep. And never was able to because they just don't win. There's nothing else to build around him. Uh, you you tried to bring in Albert that didn't fit, that didn't work out well. You brought in Shohei who who now seems to be the face of of MLB baseball. It, it's it's. What are your thoughts on players signing those long term deals and not being able to get out and find a place to win a championship with?
3: I think the players are fine, but I think the you teams. You think there's
4: frustration from them? Like Mike Trout. You don't think Mike Trout is. I mean, yeah, it's cool to get paid.
3: But he, when, when he got the contract, he knew that they hadn't won a playoff game in his career. Uh, not a game. A, a playoff <laughs> game. So he knew what that organization was all about, but he also knew that $440 million was on the table. And maybe you look down the road and hope you can get a deal. But Fernando Tatis Jr. probably doesn't look like he's going to be a guy that is going to be there. But is the contract going to work out for the team? I would say right now it it won't. Korea, uh, that deal is up in the air. Uh, if you look at some of the contracts that have been signed, Mookie Betts might wind, turn out to be a great deal mm-hmm. for the Dodgers. But the other ones, it'll be interesting to see the back end of Bryce Harper's Bryce career. Bryce Harper, yeah, he's be already been here a lot, yeah. All right, uh, Francisco Lindor had a really good year last year, but is he still going to be able to pl- be able to play shortstop in six years? Uh, the the Trout deal, the Machado deal, he's probably going to opt out, which the Padres will love yeah. after this coming season. Stanton certainly didn't work out for the Marlins mm-hmm. because they traded him to the Yankees. Cano was terrible for the both the the Mariners and the Mets. The Joey Votto deal, the back end of that deal. Not good. Yeah. The Pujols deal with the Angels, back into that deal, not not good. The A Rod deal with the Yankees, the second one, got suspended for a year. Yeah. Didn't work out well. He won well a championship, though. Yeah. He
4: did. Win. Yeah, they, that won. Was, they
3: won. That was the first one. Though. Yeah. Okay. The, yes. He had two year deals yeah. with them.
6: Oh. <laughs> but he that. opted out of one. Yeah. Yeah.
3: So the first one did work out okay. Uh, the Jeter deal was okay. Most of the the long term deals, though, the back end really does not work out well.
4: It's not going to end well for the for the franchise for the clubs.
3: No, uh, it's because you're going to be paying, and the Mets don't care. Cohen doesn't care about paying a bunch of money for guys that can't play for him. So, do you think that number comes
4: down as far as how many years they give out to these players, knowing that, as you said, I mean, you look at you look at Aaron Judge. What is he going to look like yep. at the end of that contract? I, I,
3: he, <laughs> There's only so many teams that can do it, right? I mean, Yankees, Mets, Dodgers, Angels. Cubs, maybe White Sox, Red Sox. Those are the only teams that can really responsibly do that and have it work out. Now, Seattle gave Rodriguez a 13-year deal. We'll see how that works out, but he's only 21, Mm -hmm. so that might wind up being a really good deal for them. Chris Kerber is next on 101 ESPN.
1: You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN.
2: Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
3: The St. Louis Blues take on the Toronto Maple Leafs tonight at Enterprise Center. Six o'clock pregame, seven o'clock faceoff with Curbs and Joey here on 101 ESPN. And the voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber, is with us now on the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line. I trust that Christmas was good, sir. How are you? Always is, Randy. I'm doing great. Uh, How are you guys? Everything's good. And uh, I love the fact that the NHL, for the players and the staffs and everybody involved, does take the holiday off. The NBA plays, obviously the NFL plays. I really do like the approach of the NHL. I know that a lot of people would like to see hockey games on Christmas, but I think for the, the betterment of the people involved with the sport, I think it's really cool.
7: You know what? I've always loved the fact that the NHL has done this. At one point, they did play... Uh, on Christmas, but it was a long time ago. And then I like the fact that in, in the last two CBAs that they said they negotiated an extra day, because it used to be you know we, I mean the Blues traditionally always had that game on the twenty sixth, mm-hmm. which means somebody was probably flying in Christmas Day. And um, for for me, Randy, honestly, it's less about the athletes. It's like these these leagues that preach out oh, family values, things, all these other things like that that are important, right? Well, it, it, it's not even so much about the athletes. It's about the fact that if you've got to open up these arenas on Christmas Day, all the work that has to be done the day or two before the day of, the concessions people coming in for hours ahead of gates getting opened up, it impacts so many more. I mean, and so I have, I love the way the NHL does it. I'd have no problem if the rest of the leagues did it as well.
4: Hey, Curbs, uh, Randy and I were talking about camp fights earlier. We were <laughs> talking about football camp fights, and it, it, it made me wonder. Uh, James Harris and I had a, had a deal that if we had to do another drill, we were going to just start a fight and get out of practice. Do, do NHL players have, to, do they have those uh, anger issues during camp where they're just tired of running into each other and, and, and ready to just get to another team and, and you know, settle it on the, on the ice if they need to with each other?
7: Camp fights actually used to be a thing. Uh, in training camp, uh, players had come in, they'd want to show their worth, they'd want to show their toughness, and it was a, I mean, camp fights are actually a pretty regular thing. And then I'd say probably really 15 or so years ago, uh, you know, they really started dying out to realize, why are we beating up, maybe breaking our hand, breaking our faces against our own teammates? I mean, at one point, I forget, Larry Plo told the players, uh, you know, beforehand, he goes, I don't want to see any fights in camp. And some of the guys are like, what? What are we going to do? Now those things are rare. So, for example, when you saw that one, you know, when you, when you saw that fight uh, between Robert Bortuzzo and Zach Sanford, you know, the year the Blues won the Cup, that kind of thing is rare. Does it happen? It does, but uh, it's, it's pretty much frowned upon now.
3: And, Curbs, it used to be the call of the wild. If you wanted to be the enforcer for a team, if you were Reed Lowe, you had to beat Tony Twist in camp. You, yeah,
7: you had listen. Oh. Well, you weren't you weren't going to get a whole bunch of ice time and games to prove yourself, right? Right. So, yeah. So, yeah. Could you imagine coming in saying I've got a I've got to make a name for myself, and that's Tony Twist standing over there? <laughs> like you're like you know what time time to go back to the minors, and start over. Right. Right. You know, but yeah, there was uh, and you know what I mean. It's so one of those kind of things. The league the league has legislated the fighting scenario to where you still see it. The fans still love it. You don't see as many of the staged ones, which is fine. Um, I actually think it's almost gone the wrong way where guys are having to fight for throwing a good hit, um, and the ones that are doing the cheap shotting are kind of getting away with it. But yeah, the, the, those those days of camp fights and stuff are long gone. If you're, if you're going to show that you've got that ability, you're going to show it in one of the eight or nine preseason games. Right.
4: Hey, hey, Curves, we were talking earlier about the Blues road trip, them going 3-1-1. What were your thoughts about uh, what you saw over that road trip and, and what are your expectations for tonight?
7: Yeah, you know what? Uh, I got to ask that question. I think it was Riz that asked me the question in the post-game show of the Vegas game, and he, and he said, how would you grade this road trip? And I said, I can grade it about a B plus." I mean, you got seven out of ten points. You picked up points in four of the five games, but believe it or not, you haven't really gained any ground a month earlier on November 12th, when the blues are playing the Vegas golden Knights, they were seven points out of a wild card spot. And, uh, and they basically were five points out of a wild card spot a month later, having gone 11, eight and two. Right. so, they're going to have to do even better if they're really going to climb. I mean, they're going to need a couple of good win streaks. You're going to need to start playing at a pace that's much closer to 10 games over 500, if you're being honest with you. So I think it easily could have been an A if you pull out that victory in Vegas, but uh, they didn't. And and so they left a point on the table there. I liked Ryan O'Reilly's comments. Uh, there, was, there were points for the taking here, considering the players that Vegas had out of the lineup. Uh, so... But all in all, very good road trip. Now, we get the news this morning that Torrey Krug has a lower body injury. I didn't see a sign of that um, in the last game, but a lower body injury that's going to have him out six weeks, Reevaluated in six weeks. So, uh, Tyler Tucker's going to get called up. We'll see how that, you know, that'll increase some time for both Letty and I think Pareko on the power play, and we'll see how that impacts this team. But, unfortunately, because of the first 33, 34 games of the year have been so inconsistent for the Blues, they haven't given themselves any wiggle room to sustain some key injuries.
4: Hey, Curbs, we were talking about it earlier also, just the the inability to close out periods. They had the lead in the second period uh, versus the Vegas Knights, and they also had it in the third period and were not able to seal that, that victory. What are your thoughts about them not being able to finish out those periods with up being up and then obviously winning the game if they were able to close out the third period?
7: Carrie, for me, the, the third period is a little bit bad luck. It was a just a crappy call on a hook, like in just the, the National Hockey League's continued it, just inconsistency of the of the officiating blows my mind sometimes. But um, so I, the, the third period goal given up, ah, look, it's going to happen. I mean, it's it's unfortunate, but they had just pulled their goalie. They got the extra guy on. Yeah, coaches will look and say, this guy could have done this guy, this guy could have done that. I think sometimes, you know, you're a good team like Vegas, you're going to get some breaks. That part didn't bother me so much. But there was an interesting sequence that happened in the game that, to me, is a little bit of a microcosm of this Blues season. There was a shift. Robert Thomas had the puck in the offensive zone in the corner. Three Vegas Golden Knights surrounded him. Vladimir Tarasenko was kind of hovering out in the faceoff circle, and Pavel Buchnevich was a little higher in the zone, hadn't gotten in there yet. Robert tried to hold on to that puck. He needed one, if not both those guys, to get in there and help win it, and they didn't get there. Vegas breaks out of it. They chip the puck out of the zone. They end up scoring on this play, and if you look at when the goal is scored, you see right as the goal is scored, Vladimir Tarasenko, who really could be one of your best skaters, right, just getting back into the mix of it. And I looked at that, and I thought, okay, not enough support along the wall, didn't win the puck battle, and then the player's not back-checking hard enough to help defend the play once that puck is coming out. And it ends up in your net. Those are the kind of plays that have been burning the Blues pretty much all season long. Now, the ironic part of that is Vladimir Tarasenko has a terrific game offensively with three points. Thomas scored, like, like, that same grouping of guys scored some important goals and made some important plays. But that's why, but you, you look at that whole picture there, and it encapsulates, it encapsulates pretty much the entire team play this year. Not making the right smart play sometimes is costing you goals, yet you have enough offense ability to keep games close and maybe score three or four a game. And as Craig Baruby said afterwards, we scored enough goals to win the game. To me, they're going to have to clean up those other mistakes. Uh, you know, that they've got a chance to get the puck out of the zone. Levo lifts it up off the glass, but not enough to get it out of the zone. Boom. It ends up in your net. If they don't clean up those types of plays, they're going to be chasing games for quite a while. And, and that to me is part of the problem. So that it's, it's, less about kind of the end of the period part for me is it still what's costing you at the end of the periods is the same thing that's kind of costing you at times in the middle and at the beginning of a period.
3: Hey, Curbs, one more thing. Who among the Blues that's healthy do you think could step up and be a power play quarterback? You mentioned Falcon Pareco. Uh, who do you think has the best ice vision and ability to set things up and, and settle things down while the Blues are on the power play with Krug well, we're about
7: to go in and watch practice, so we'll find out in a real hurry here um, who that's going to be. To me, it's it, to me that that crew time shifts over to Nick Letty, and it shifts over to uh, and it shifts over to Colton Pareko. I listen. I, I really believe it's. I, I don't know if he can. I, I don't know if it's in there. I know they want him. I'm almost at the point now with the way this season's going. Anyway, I'm putting Colton Pareko out there, and I'm saying I'm telling everybody. Colton, get your feet in your spot where he can one-time the puck and everybody just get on the puck, Colton, shoot it. You know, go back to the old Al McInneson on on Calgary days where the coach told all the players, the power play goes through him, he shoots the puck, you get the rebound, if there's not another shot, get it back to him, he shoots it again. And if you don't want to do that, I've got room on the bench for you. And honestly, I would take that approach because I want to see what happens If he gets it there. I'd like to see some of Colton's confidence grow even more. I still think with his skating ability and stuff, Colton can be an extremely dominating defenseman in this game. And so to me, I think he's earned some of that candy there. Let's see it happen. And, And so now, having said that, I think you probably have a little more poise with the puck. Not probably. You have a little more poise with the puck, and I know they're pretty happy with the way Nick Letty's been moving it. We saw last year when Nick got here, he got some power play time, so that's the way I think they would lean to go, but I'm just curious what the other scenario looks like.
3: Al sure didn't mind breaking an ankle or two. It was a nice deterrent for other ple- <laughs> other people.
7: You know what they call it? They call it wasting a shot. And every now and then, waste a couple shots. i like, I'm, I I know I look at Al I said you ever shoot right at a goalie's head he went
6: yeah <laughs> yeah
7: not, you know I mean listen do you remember the way in that playoff series against Dallas when Colton Pareko bombed it and injured Ben Bishop yep. right and then it was just a few minutes after that Sammy Blake takes a slap shot from the left circle that Ben Bishop's going to stop in his sleep most times and it goes in right yeah I mean there's there's value to that he's got it he won. He's got to use it more, and he has been shooting more, which is good. They've been telling him for eight years to do that, okay? So this this really comes down to the player and the mentality of doing it, right? Um, You know, but they've they've got a weapon. They've just either got to convince him to use it, or they've got to find a way to set it up where he's got no choice but to use it.
3: Absolutely. Curbs, you go and get into that practice, and we will see you at the rink tonight. Thank you. All right, guys, have an awesome week and uh, happy holidays again. Same to you. Mm -hmm. Take care. Chris Kerber, Voice of the Blues here on 101 ESPN. Next up, we've got Rock and Roll. You're back
6: to the opening
1: drive podcast
2: on 101
1: ESPN,
2: presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
1: Let's rock. Let's rock today.
3: Start with this. Let's uh, have Matthew Rocchio <laughs> provide a little respect for the memories of Matt Rule <laughs> and Frank Wright. Oh,
4: yeah. They both got
3: yeah, fired. Both got fired. Got fired yeah. over season wow! This yeah.
5: is a, <laughs> a bloody NFL season.
3: It is. Yeah.
5: Those guys were so bad.
4: Seems like so long ago.
5: It doesn't seems it? Seems like it goes, so
3: yeah. long ago. Yeah, it's been in the last ten
5: weeks. And The Panthers are a completely different team, and somehow the Colts got worse.
3: <laughs> yeah, Colts are pretty bad. Colts. I mean, they sore, completely man. fell off a cliff. I think they were already. They're gonna be bad for a while too. Yeah, gotta, I mean, gotta find a quarterback. We have,
5: we have people already throwing out Frank Reich as, a, as, as the next, as another head coach in this next cycle. I mean, I'm 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 trying to help the guy out, keep it keeping him off the well, keep him off go. the
3: presses. Here's the th- here's the play for the Broncos. Okay. If, number one, you'll have to overpay anybody, right? So overpay Dan Quinn, but just make him <sighs> right. He's been to a Super Bowl. His, yeah. But then, Reich is his offensive coordinator.
4: Ooh.
2: Mm. Yeah.
5: maybe. Again, I say, I say, you, you, you trade for Sean Payton, you just suck up the extremely awkward situation okay. of Vic Fangio being back in the building. Yeah, that's happened before, though. Yeah, that's, that's new ownership
4: too, though, right?
3: It yeah, is that's, right. So, so maybe it's not as bad. Yeah. And here's the reason that I say what I do because I think that you need somebody who commands the ear of Russell Wilson. I don't know if anybody does. But I think Reich could have the best opportunity, and Reich did get near MVP quality performance out of Carson Wentz at one point. Oh, Randy, that that I don't a long know. Long time ago, I
4: know. I, I think the the ship has sailed on on old Russ being a good quarterback in then, the NFL.
3: Then, if that's if you're the ownership and you truly believe that. And I'm sure I don't have $200
4: million invested in this ship that's sailing away, though.
3: <laughs> but you're the Walton family, so it doesn't matter. Like uh, the $275 million, oh, well, let's throw a nickel on the street. That's uh, that's what the Walton okay. do. But here's the thing. Cap. So you you have to take a year where you're going to, you know you're going to suck. Next year, you just have to take that cap hit and live with it and, and then start and by the way, you don't have draft choices anyway. So suck next year and then start building it back for the year after that. And trade Jerry Judy, trade uh, Javante Williams when he gets healthy, trade Cortland Sutton. Uh, they've got another receiver. Uh, trade uh, the, the left tackle when he gets bowls, when he gets healthy. Justin Simmons still good?
4: Yeah. yeah. Safety? Yeah. There's a text that says Eric Bieniemy to to Denver. Come home. He played at Colorado. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, take it or leave it that Eric Bieniemy will would fight. I mean, fist fight, Russell Wilson. I'll take that. Yeah, mid third quarter, nope. <clears throat> week also, three. Yep. I, yeah, I, also, I don't <laughs> want that for Air B because, like,
5: with all of the all of the narratives around him not getting hired out for a couple of years, if he hits a rough spa- spot in his first season, people are just going to bring up all that stuff. Well, he's a bad interview, and he, he didn't call the offense in, in Kansas City. People are just going to bring up. He the offense, no. I mean, yeah. people, people brought it up as a, as, yeah. as a not against him for years, though, when, the, when Andy was calling it. It's just I would hate for him to go to such a bad organization that's in such a mired and in, in such a bad roster right now for his first ever shot. Maybe
3: what you need to do. That would bum me out. Get somebody in that are there that will just make Russ so miserable that he'll want to retire. <laughs> he was just saying, that. "I'm out of here." Yep. Can't take it anymore. Yeah, I got my guaranteed money. I'm out of here.
4: Yeah, him
5: retiring is pretty much the only way he can (laughs) can get out of this with any semblance of ability to build a team
3: afterwards. So it's going to be pretty bad. What other rock and roll stuff do we have? Well, we
5: got a little one right off the bat. You guys mentioned uh, the big game from, uh, I I always say it wrong, Chuba Is it Chuba? Chuba Hubbard. Chuba Hubbard. Hubbard. I always want to say Chuba Hubbard because it kind of rhymes. Chuba Hubbard. But Chuba Hubbard. And it reminded me of yesterday's fastest three minutes by Chris Berman. Obviously, you all know it. Halftime, Chris Berman comes in and, and gives us all the highlights. This was his highlight specifically for the Panthers and uh, Mr. Hubbard. And I want to see what you guys just think of it, just because it, it, it really stuck out to me.
3: Huge day for the Chuba Missile Crisis Hubbard. And the-
5: <laughs> what, do we,
4: what do we think about Chuba Missile Crisis no. Hubbard from Chris Berman? No. 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 You gonna, you're going to go with no?
3: Yeah, I'm going to go with no.
4: I, I do. I, I love Chris Berman and his nicknames. That that one's he, does a little. Some, he does some pretty fantastic nicknames.
5: Um, That's not one of them, though. No, I, I agree. Yeah, it was, it was pretty bad. And then this one, I, I, I had to bring this up because there's few people I know as passionate about sports and that love sports in a certain specific way as really Randy Character, but obviously, obviously, care you've given your life to it. You love sports a specific way. This tweet has gotten over a million views and 25,000 different quote retweets. It was a tweet from uh, late last week. Sports will never be as important as music or any other art. Everyone can run and kick balls. A few can write and produce songs. <laughs> Being creative and expressing yourselves is something no football player can do successfully
3: and win awards for it. Kerry, having done both <laughs> at a very high level. Gary Take us through this. I would say,
4: um, I think people don't give credit to how, how tough athletics is. Like, how, how tough... And, and how quickly decisions have to be made. You know, they have the sports science, um, well, used to on ESPN, yeah, yeah. where they talked about, they, they, they said some of the decisions are made, split-second decisions in, in sports to make a decision whether to do X, Y, or Z to actually allow you to be successful on that particular play. I think sports is a is a much difficult feat, much more difficult feat than, than uh, people would give credit to. And, and the intelligence yeah. involved, the intellect involved is... Extremely high as well.
3: I have a tremendous amount of respect for both endeavors. I'm amazed at how many really, 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 really good musicians are out there. People that play locally who I say, man, that person should be a national star, but doesn't get the opportunity. I don't see that as much with athletics. Okay. Where I'm watching a high school or a college game, or even like when we get the XFL, and I say... How is that person not playing in the NFL? I don't think that there are as many high-level elite athletes as there are high-level elite musicians. For example, that's my. Uh, that that's a very quickly thought-out opinion.
4: There
5: are, but they, I have
3: it.
4: I think. W- you're probably right in that regard. Like when you say high level, like people that can play multiple instruments. For me, someone that can play the piano and sing and play the guitar. Like Prince comes to mind when I think Unbelievable. of yep. just talented musicians because they their brain hears and see, sees things in a different fashion and, and than most of
3: us do. You've got Prince. You've got Stevie Wonder. You've got Michael Jackson. Uh, let's just say there's five, okay? They're kind of like the five athletes. It's like Brady, Michael, LeBron, Rice, whatever. It's, it, those are a select few that are great. The, that elite is different because there's only, there's like five broadcasters that are the, the five best broadcasters. But if you talk about depth, I, I, I think the roster of good musicians, not elite, not, not the very best ever, but the roster of deep musicians is deeper than the roster of really good athletes.
5: Also, I just think it's insulting that this person get creativity has to be something intellectual to them, whereas it, whereas you know if you you if you really truly love any sport, especially right. ones like like hockey basketball, soccer, you know, ones where like the actual freelancing ability in the game is so far open and the creativity in that moment. I mean, we, we like think about the guys who, you know, do who do that, you know, the Michigan play in hockey when they, you know, they pick it up behind the net scoop it. That's that is fascinating amounts of creativity to pull that off in the moment. It, listen, it's not what she's talking about, but to not to just say that isn't creativity right. is is ignorant.
3: Carrie. You can relate to this better than Matthew or I could. But talk to uh, Marshall Falk one time, yeah, about running the ball, and he said, "I don't see people; I see colors." Yeah, you, you
4: <laughs> because you don't, you don't, you don't worry. It's, it's, it, it, it's so hard to explain because people would think you're you're making this up or you're. Uh, It's almost like you ever seen the movies where they go really, really fast and everything else blurs out around them except for what's right in front of them. That's what it's like. Nothing. You don't see anything. Sometimes you don't hear anything else. You are only solely focused. You can see colors. You know, you're wearing a white jersey today and the opponent is wearing a black one. So you're going to avoid the black ones and steer clear, you know, towards the white ones. But it's it's that's the it's it's a tunnel vision. And I think the the greater the player you are, the the narrower, you know, the, yeah. the less you see around you. I think when you're a younger player, you can see the you see everything. Everything mm-hmm. is right there in front of you and it scares the hell out of you. The older you get and the more I guess the more the greater you become, you know, it, it becomes less
3: that you will able that you're able to see and, and you just see colors. Kurt always talked about the instinctive nature of playing quarterback, and that's what we're talking about here, is athletic instinct. He said that he could get up to the line of scrimmage and visualize what the defense was going to do. That's why he yeah. was great, because it wasn't physical skills. Charlie Army always said, you could get, stand up, Tony Banks, Randall Cunningham, Kurt Warner, and have them have a physical quarterback skills competition. Kurt finishes last every single time. Correct. Right? But he's the best quarterback. There you go. Also, you know this this
5: argument devolved into people talking about people who can write movies and books and how impressive that skill is. And and listen, I can write how, often, how
6: often? How often do we watch
5: sports and we talk about you can't write a script for this? I mean, it is it is organic. There isn't there is no editing process for the stories that we cover. It's this is a hundred percent organic, real human experience. Sure, it might you not be able to couch it in like what. What human feeling are you are you breaking down? What is the theme of this of this game? It's not that kind of stuff, but it's actual real human experience happening right in front of your eyes. Thank you. Heartbreak, you know, love, you know, passion, right in front of you. It's not contrived. It's not scripted. It is a hundred percent real. You don't get
3: that in the other mediums we're talking about. It's all planned. It's all scripted. So to wrap up, Kerry, what we have determined here is that athletes are the best. No question. No it's doubt. Pretty easy. Yeah. Sports rule. We're going to head down the stretch here towards BK and Ferrario next on 101 ESPN. You're
1: back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN.
2: Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Tells
3: us that uh, Colton Parayko is indeed on the number one power play unit for the Blues, and we didn't get a chance to get to this, but JJ Watt, easy first ballot Hall of Famer, announcing indeed. his retirement at the conclusion of this season.
4: Easy first ballot. I, I don't think there's a, a question about that. Three-time Defensive Player of the Year, mm-hmm. um, just kind of the standard for for that position. For the time period that he that he played. It he he's done a fantastic job in his career.
3: You played in and won a Super Bowl. Do you feel bad for guys like that that are the best of the best and never get a chance to play in a Super Bowl? Uh
4: football is a team sport. And so yes and no, because I mean, there's always the question, would you trade would I trade my career for for a JJ Watts career? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I mean that <laughs> <laughs> those are those are real questions that people have. So um you know he he obviously didn't you think of a guy like like um oh, i want to say Fred Taylor but uh taylor from Miami Jason Taylor mm-hmm. who, who had a hall of fame career but never has a super bowl there there are many charles barkley is probably the most famous basketball player that cuz he still he, that didn't win a championship um yes and no you on those guys understand that they that, that that does not define you know their worth as as basketball players right. or football players or, or major league whatever the case may be you still were a hell of a player had a hell of a career you know but those are team sports and if you don't have the cast around you it's going to be hard to win a championship
3: he'll wind up in tv won't
4: he oh definitely i think so he's he's a he's a great he's entertaining he's well spoken you know and um you know He's a he's a future Hall of Famer, so why wouldn't he?
3: And TJ's going to get in the Super Bowl and win one, right?
4: He should. Yeah. TJ, I, I'm I'm optimistic about this Steelers team as well. They're young, they have to figure out how to win. Okay. And once they figure that out, watch out.
3: Uh, if you need time to think about this, I'll I'll give you till tomorrow. Okay. Their peak year, JJ or TJ?
4: Oh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's <laughs> come on. It's they it's, both. So TJ won an MVP defensive player D- of the yep, year. Yep. Um, it's JJ. I think it is JJ. I think it is because he's, he's doing it from the interior. He's doing it from the interior
5: too. Well, That's it, that, that, that who matters, would you rather? Who
4: would you rather face? JJ. Uh, T- I'd You face would TJ. rather face JJ. I'd rather, I'd rather face, face JJ, JJ
3: than TJ in his peak there year in his best year
4: because TJ coming off the edge is is an animal. And I, I think they, they both got put in systems that were perfect for them. Mm-hmm. Um allowed to to really show off their talents, but whew, pretty good family. It is. <laughs> it's T J uh, I think T J causes more havoc. Really? Yeah. In the run game
5: consistently too? Hey hey Rock, I told you
4: I told you what Dwight Freeney told me, right? fair. Say so every play is a pass unless yeah, it's a run. I get it. Don't worry about the run game.
6: <laughs> Jj also, also, Jj Watt is also the greatest,
5: the greatest uh, pass defender at the line in but NFL every, history.
4: Every play is a pass unless it's a run. Even
3: when Jj was blocked, he stopped plays. BK and Ferrario are standing by. Great job by Matthew Rocchio. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Pleasure. Uh, CD, this is fun. It was, has been an awesome week. Uh,
4: it's only been one day, I guess. Yeah. Start to and a our four-day a week. Start to a week. <laughs> Three left after this one.
3: <laughs> we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. Till tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great day. St. Louis.
1: You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com.
2: Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. How long does it take to
0: tackle a home project? With Angie, you could cross it off your list before this ad is over. Just tell us what you need, indoor or outdoor, repair or redesign, and we handle the rest, sending a top pro to get it done. You don't have to lift a finger, except to tap the screen or click the mouse. Plus, Angie is free to use. So bring us your next home project, and we'll bring it home. Download the app or go to Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com to get started.
1: With one of the best savings rates in America, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Slash to be in your band.
2: Next up for lead guitar. You're in.